This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for another afternoon here in the River City. Lots to get to today. We'll check in on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with Darren Bombing over at IG Field. And Ken Weeble join us post-Jets practice this afternoon. We'll also have the coaches' comments a little bit later on. Big trade in the National Hockey League. We'll get to that. NFL week starting tonight with the Thursday Nighter and much more on the Winnipeg sports scene with the ice back at home as the number one team in the Canadian Hockey League. And we will have some tickets for the ice game to give away a little later on in the show. Um, as always, we've got to start this program off with a big thank you to the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen every day, including Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Cool Bet Canada, Not Auto Corp, Canadian Club, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, and of course, Princess Auto. Let's get Michael Remus in here. Darren Bombing coming up in about 15 or 20 minutes. And Ken Weeb later on, as well as the coach's comments. Remo, um, are you able to concentrate on the show this afternoon, considering all you've been talking about leading into the show is the fact that Top Shot is dropping Series 3 this afternoon? Sorry, I, I'm able to concentrate. I'm here. I thought you were going to say, uh, I'm thinking about uh, the hockey game that I played last night against some knuckleheads. who <laughs> are like, Beer League Hardos? Yeah, we've been playing the same team for like 10 years. And um, I don't know, we're in our mid to late 30s, and these guys still think that they're 21 trying to like start fights, like yelling, <laughs> yelling at us. For wearing a cage. I mean, I gotta come on. I gotta come on YouTube every day and look good. I got. I gotta protect. Take protect, care of that grill. Yeah, I gotta take care of the grill. I've seen guys on my team. Couple guys got take pucks or sticks to the face and loose teeth is not pretty. So, uh, I I just can't believe people are still uh, doing that. But I guess nothing should, should surprise me anymore. How do you react to that? I mean, I in those situations yeah. before. Or you know, obviously maybe not necessarily in beer league hockey, but you hear you just have some like ridiculously aggressive mm-hmm. dude, you know. I, yeah. I, I just sort of laugh like, are you serious? Dude? I just like <laughs> I just go on the rink. At this point I, like for me, I don't get involved in that, but um I see people like getting overly aggressive. Don't touch my goalie. And I'm just like, guys, like we're 35 now. Like, <laughs> like, are you still doing this? And like, other people are like take off your burgers. Like, man, I gotta go to work tomorrow. What about you? Or something like, <laughs> like that. Like, we have guys on our team that are like, you know, can't show up to work the next day with a shiner or missing teeth. It's a huge pain in the ass. So, uh, I don't know. I'm here. I'm here to say end, uh, end cage shaming. It yes. Should, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone that was said the that. same people. Like, nice helmet. Yeah, back night, in the day when even you know, before people were wearing helmets all the time. Is that what people used to think? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. You'd have but, to think. But yeah, so we had this game like 940 on a Wednesday, and uh, the other team was just very o- overly uh, aggressive and a lot of uh, credit to the refs who actually kept it in control by calling penalties. Uh, sometimes they, they don't get called. So uh, I do, I do re- respect the job that was done yesterday. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, a referee in like the Highlander League or just like general beer league. That is um that's an important service to the community that yes. these guys are doing. They're not getting paid a lot of money and they do nope. get treated like crap by a lot of guys that think that they're playing in, 
Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals at 11.30 on a Friday night in a Div 8 game at the Highlander. Um, anyways, if you've got any funny stories on those topics, hit us up in the chat for everyone that's with us live on YouTube. And again, welcome to the podcast folks uh, that are with us. As I mentioned, we will get to the Jets. I should mention right off the bat, um, you probably saw this morning, if you were following any of the feeds, that um, it was sort of deja vu to a couple days ago. Christian Veselainen reassigned to the Moose. Mikhail Burnin recalled on an emergency basis. Um, and from what we're hearing, Connor Hellebuck woke up this morning, was planning on being a part of the practice, was not feeling well, so they told him to stay home. Obviously, with what's just happened with the Winnipeg Jets, they'll certainly be doing some testing on the Winnipeg Jets goaltender. Uh, but we'll get the latest yeah. on that from Look, Ken Weeb a little I'll, bit later on today. I'll give you my take on Hellbuck. I mean, he's a new dad. They probably just got home from the hospital. Look, I've been there. He can't function. He's not going to work. He needed an extra day. Needed just give him the day. extra day. If they got to make up, they don't want to. It's, you know, it's hockey culture, Huss. You can't say you took a day off to be with your newborn. It's... It's frowned upon, apparently. So, uh, <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. It's a yeah, much no, more open. Oh, yeah, oh, oh, open. I'm just, and, you know, they take care of the players. I'm just kidding around. Um, you know, hopefully he's okay. But uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they want to give him an extra day. I mean, I, I know. Even Eric Comey was asked if he's going to start or not. I kind of assumed that. You know, who would you rather start? Your number one goalie against, you know, the Blackhawks, who aren't very good, although they've been playing well now that Kane is back, or the Islanders, who are Stanley Cup contender. So I would start Hellbuck on Saturday, but I'm not an NHL coach, so I'll wait and see see what happens. And, you know, who cares if comedy plays two in a row? Like, what's, you know, you played the one on the better matchup, I would think. You want to yeah. have Hellbuck on the second one. You know, often, I mean, traditionally, you'll have the number one guy go up for the first game and then throw the backup in and the second end of back-to-backs, which is sometimes, you know, a bit of a tough situation for that goaltender to be in. But considering the fact that Comrie played the last game, it'll be a considerable number of days off for Hellebuck since the game last Saturday. Uh, I, I kind of threw this out yesterday. Now, this, you know, him not being well enough to practice today does throw a bit of a wrinkle in it. But, I mean, I wasn't ruling out the fact that he might go and play both of those games uh, on the weekend. Uh, certainly not out of the realm of possibility. But I think the smart money is probably on a split. But to your point, um, you know, with the Blackhawks coming, it is a division game, though. And I think, Maurice, I mean, you know, usually you want to put your best foot forward for those games in the division. But the record is what the record is. I think certainly if you look at the two opponents coming to Winnipeg and Canada Life Center this weekend, the Islanders would be... Um, certainly in another weight class than uh, what the Blackhawks have been so far. We'll get to all that with Kenny a little bit later on in the program. Again, if you're with us live on YouTube, make sure to hit that thumbs up button. Certainly helps us as always. Uh, and make sure you've hit the red subscribe button too and join us daily here at 1 o'clock p.m. Uh, but Remo, the words that you love more than any, we have a trade to announce. Big deal in the National Hockey League that we all woke up to this morning. Yeah, I woke up, looked at my phone, and I was like, oh, they they did it. Finally. What took so long? Jack Eichel is now free. He can get the surgery that he wants to get. He can play games, you know, in a couple months. I don't know what took so long. Uh, Vegas was, you know, rumored to be in for a long time. I guess, you know, they didn't want to give up Peyton Krebs, and, you know, they saw 10 games of him or whatever it's been so far this year, and they said, you know, we can— we can give this guy a we want to win now. And Alex Tuck had shoulder surgery. Um, they also gave away a first-round pick. So I think the moral of the story is if you're – no one's safe in Vegas, basically. If you're a first-round pick, um, you know, you can get traded. If you're a veteran who signs a long-term deal like Nate Schmidt, well, they'll trade you too. So um, 
I think it's you know good trade for for Vegas. Buffalo gets a you know decent return as well. Uh, Jack Eichel finally gets to have the surgery that he wants to get. Kelly McCrimmon said today, yeah, he can do well, whatever his team decides. We're we're good with, and I think a lot of people are upset. You know, Vegas seems to be getting all these good players: Petrangelo, Stone, Pacioretty. But I see some people worried out there that okay, now that Eichel's making ten million, you got Petrangelo making money, Stone, Pacioretty. Um, is this someone in the chat said Toronto 2.0 where you're playing too many guys? <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't go that far. I'm not going that far. But I will see how it plays out for them. But in terms of trying to win, I mean, I don't. We don't know how he's going to play this year. But win in the near future, I think this is a good move for Vegas. They get finally well, get that center. Future. Yeah. Well, near future. I mean, we don't know when Jack Eichel's going to be able to go. I was listening to um, a doctor on with Merrick earlier today. And I know Kelly McCrimmon said that they were looking at, uh, by the way, he's having this disc replacement surgery, whatever, that was so contentious that many NHL teams did not want a part of, including the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, Vegas is okay with it. It is happening. I believe he'll have it next week. The recovery on this, I mean, they said optimistically three months. The doctor that I heard said that would be incredibly quick. It's more probably in and around the five-month range. Um, so first things first, that pretty much, I think, takes Jack Eichel out of the Olympic equation. But there is a chance, Remo, that we're talking about Jack Eichel coming back right at the end of the season, or maybe even the uh, the, the Kucherov, if you will, uh, out on LTIR the entire season, coming back for the playoffs when the cap doesn't count. Yeah, I wonder if that's the plan. I mean, they have to get to the playoffs. They haven't um, played that well this year. They lost to Toronto. Um, the other day, but I think for the Vegas, you said they're up against the cap. They're going to have to make another move, and the one move they made in the summer, getting uh, Evgeny Dadonov, um, that was a puzzle to me because now that's the five million they could have been, you know, using towards Jack Eichel. So as he moved, um, Riley Smith is a UFA. Matthias Yanmark, who they traded for or they signed, he's a UFA after this season. Um, and who else? Oh, yeah, Braden McNabb is also a UFA. So there are some players who are eligible to be traded. they got to make room, but I don't think they have to make a decision um, right away. But I mean, they're going to be over with him, or maybe, you know, someone else is hurt and, you know, they don't have to, they can still postpone. So I wouldn't get too, I don't think they have to make any panic moves right now. But I guess if you wait too long, you could be making a panic move when you want to take them off IR. So I think they're, they'll probably wait till, you know, the right deal comes. But they'll be making another move. There's there's players to be had there in Vegas. They've got twenty six and a half million on LTIR right now. Nice. They've got the ten million for Jack Eichel, nine and a half for Mark Stone, and seven million dollars for Max Pacioretty. And if those guys are all in the lineup, um, you know that, that that is an issue. And I'll say this: I mean, I guess we didn't really get too much into the return going to Buffalo. Uh, Remus mentioned it, but former Winnipeg Ice Captain and last year's WHL Player of the Year and former first-rounder Peyton Krebs, key part of the package going from Vegas to Buffalo. He'll go to the Rochester Americans, play for a while in the American Hockey League, and Alex Tuck. And Tuck's been out recovering from shoulder surgery. There was also two picks, a 2021 first-rounder and a third-rounder in 2023. I believe those are conditional based on Eichel actually being able to play again, but let's assume that is the case. I'll say this about Alex Tuckream. Um, this is a guy that has been a real difference maker, and 
he's on, for my money, one of the most team-friendly contracts in the league. Vegas signed him to that eight-year deal, seven- or eight-year deal at under $5 million at 4.75. And, uh, you know, if he gets back to full health, I think he'll have a real opportunity to be a central figure in the top six in Buffalo as they try to move past a really dark era with some exciting young players. And, you know, he's not that young, uh, but certainly still has a lot of his career ahead of him. And, uh, you know, I I was really wondering what uh, Kevin Adams would be able to get for Jack Eichel because of the limited number of teams that were fine with the disc replacement surgery with the time that he was going to be out anyways, uh, you know, no matter what. And to be honest, I think the way that it's come together with the, with Krebs and talk and the pick, I got to give Kevin Adams some credit for what he was able to do. It took a long time to get done, um, but they weren't going to trade Jack Eichel for pennies on the dollar. I still think that Jack Eichel at full hundred percent, you know, is worth a lot more than came in this trade, but you know, he really did have his hands tied and, you know, it's been a tough, tough number of months for Buffalo on the ice, off the ice. Uh, but to have this finished, completed is a good news story for the Buffalo Sabres. And I got to tell you, I think Peyton Krebs is going to be a real, real solid player in Buffalo. Will he be a superstar to the Jack Eichel level? Probably not. Uh, but I don't think there was the potential to get a player like that coming back. They better hit on that first round pick. That's all I got to say. Yeah, this is your standard. Uh, whenever you come up with a hypothetical trader, like, okay, we need a first round pick, a prospect and a roster player. And this is, you know, the f- basic framework of this deal for Jack Eichel. We'll see what happens with the pick. Um, you know, Krebs could be a solid player. And Alex Tucky, he was coming off shoulder surgery, so he won't be available. You were telling me before the show that he's, uh, you know, his buff from the, he's from Syracuse, so around Buffalo, grew up a Sabres fan. And, uh, you know, someone said that he's been, you know, has pictures with Tim Connolly growing up, uh, Sabres legend, big fan of Tim Connolly here. But, uh, I mean, Tuck's been a solid player. He had a nice year last year, 33 points in 55 games. He's a former first-round pick, 25 years old. So you're getting a guy who's not, you know, he's been in the league for a while, but he's still mm. still a young player and can still contribute. And I think Buffalo did uh, did pretty well here. And you were telling me as well, uh, Krebs, you know, starting, getting sent to Rochester, not starting with the Sabres, would probably be um, a good move for his development. I know everyone wants everyone in the NHL right away, but aside from however you feel about developing players, I think for Peyton Krebs individually, this is a smart move by the organization to not throw him right into the lineup as the guy they got for Jack Eichel with the expectations that come along with that. They've got some real good young players. Jack Quinn, uh, their first rounder from a couple years ago, is playing in Rochester right now. Uh, I think he goes in there and can really grow into that professional. There certainly will be a call-up, I'm sure, at some point this season. But really a focus on next year for Peyton Krebs and for the Buffalo Sabres. Although, Reem, with the Sabres, the the start that the Sabres have had, I think we're all expecting them to come back down to earth and be more towards the bottom than the top of the standings. Um, You know, there's some young energy in that room right now. Expectations were absolutely zero. Um, But when you compare... For instance, the Sabres situation, which many people thought would be like Arizona's situation, a very, very different story between these two clubs as the Coyotes are the embarrassment of the National Hockey League. And, uh, you know, the Sabres have been surprising some teams, including last year's Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, I'm looking at the standings right now. Believe it or not, Hus, Buffalo, third in the Atlantic, five, three, and one. It's incredible. And Playoff you at, team. You look at their goal differential, <laughs> they're one of two teams in that division to have a positive goal differential at plus six. Uh, Florida is up there plus 18. 
Uh, well done, Sabres. I mean, I keep betting against them and you know, see teams match up against them on DraftKings and I'm t- picking you know, the opponent's players. But, I mean, they've played well. Um, I don't know. They got Rasmus Dahlin. Victor Olofsson, I think, has had a good start to the year. Um, the coach, uh, Don Granato, they brought in last year, seems to be uh, the right play. So maybe the Sabres are finally moving in the right direction. What is this? The third rebuild? Second, second so rebuild? It's just an ongoing rebuild. It's essentially a decade-plus rebuild that has provided no traction at all so far. Oh, with the exception of the start that we just talked, I, talked about that I think most would agree is temporary. Yeah, I, I, we most would agree that it's temporary. We're not going to, we don't think they're a playoff team. But, I mean, I remember the 06, uh, 07 Sabres, uh, Danny Briere, you know, Max Finajanov, I uh, got his jersey behind me. Finajanov. <laughs> Ryan, and Ryan Miller, you know, Chris Drury. I could name that whole team. I loved I love that team. They were so exciting. So many young players. Should have made it to the Stanley Cup, but they ran into injuries. So I'm not going to talk more about the 06 Sabres, but they are trying to get back to the playoffs. And, you know, maybe this is uh, this is the beginning. I, I kind of like the move, uh, the move for them, finally, especially when everyone knew they had to trade the guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll say the one thing I was disappointed, I mean, I told you, I mean, throughout the summer doing the shows with Pat and the guys on Sports at 960 in Calgary, um, there was a lot of talk about Jack Eichel, and I was very skeptical that Calgary would be in, that they would have a package that could actually get the deal done. But when we heard these reports that Calgary was right there at the finish line with Vegas and you know was very much in the mix, I actually got pretty excited. I mean, Remo, the Battle of Alberta with McDavid and Eichel on opposition teams would have really, really been awesome. That being said, we'll get a lot of Eichel and McDavid head-to-head because, of course, the Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights, two of the uh, top teams in the Pacific Division, at least on paper. So we will get a lot of those matchups, but it would have been so cool if it was part of the Battle of Alberta. Yeah, I wasn't really sure how that trade... We were trying to think, oh, Calgary ones. Eichel, who are they giving up? Like, would they get... Uh, Kachuk and I think his contract is up up pretty, Kachuk, pretty soon. The Kachuk's that, a non-starter. Buffalo yeah. didn't want to take on big big contracts. And 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 for those that are unaware, Matthew Kachuk signed his deal so that he's getting paid nine million this year. That is what he needs to be qualified at, mm-hmm. and he's totally within his rights to accept the qualifying offer, take the one year deal, and be an unrestricted free agent the following year after this. Now, you know, Calgary is going to, you know, certainly want to sign Matthew Kachuk, or if they think that that's not going to happen, then potentially you look at moving in. There's been a lot of talk that the St. Louis Blues, uh, basically Matthew uh, Matthew's hometown, would love to get him into the lineup. I think there would be some mutual interest in that. Um, but Calgary was playing quite well under Daryl Sutter. has had a great start to the season. I think that's a big, big plus, the fact that they're winning games right now if they're thinking about keeping Matthew Kachuk long-term. But for all the talk that there's going to be big, big changes made in Calgary, those haven't happened. Jack Eichel was a very intriguing prospect to get in the, into the mix. It didn't happen right now. But the results on the ice, speaking of changes, very different than what we saw in last year's incredibly disappointing season for the Flames. They've had a great start right now, and they're challenging the Oilers right up at the top of the Pacific Division. Uh, love to get your thoughts on the trade. You can hit us up in the chat. I see an interesting one from GM Carp. Just back to back to uh, Vegas. Um, Sheldayoff won't, but should be asking about Shea Theodore. Four more years at five point two million, and no, no move. 
Uh, I'll just tell you what, Carp. I mean, he and probably a lot of people are calling, and uh, that's a quick hang-up on the part of Kelly McCrimmon. We've talked a lot about what the Vegas has in some big, big money players. Um, this guy's a number one defenseman. He'll probably be playing along with Petrangelo, likely on the number one pair for Canada at the Olympics, and you've got him at cost certainty, a player that's been with them from the day from day one. I think Shea Theodore is probably retiring as a Vegas Golden Knight, but he's certainly going to be playing the rest of that contract. So what it would take to get Vegas to even consider to trade Shea Theodore, probably out of the uh, realistic ability of most GMs to get that done. I wouldn't count on that happening any time soon. Uh, so well, I'll be interested to see what Kenny thinks about the trade. Ken Weeb's going to join us a little bit later on. We'll also have the latest from the Winnipeg Jets practice today. We'll hear from Coach Paul Maurice a little later on. Coming up next, though, we're going to talk some bombers with the bomber himself, Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports. Uh, before we do that, don't forget, folks, you need to stay hydrated. And the Culligan man and family-owned Culligan Water have been the water experts in Winnipeg for 65 years and counting. Over at 1200 Sargent, you can give them a call at 694-5180. They're celebrating 65 years as the go-to people for water softeners, filters, whole home systems, drinking water systems, not to mention bottled water coolers and even bottle-free coolers and water delivery services citywide. And if you need water uh, products and solutions for your business, they've got commercial and industrial options as well. You can find out more at drinkculligan.com or uh, pop down, as I mentioned, at 1200 Sargent Avenue. Uh, winter just around the corner, people getting ready for it. You're putting away your summer car. That may have happened already, maybe a boat. Don't forget that maintainer that can keep the battery fresh throughout the summer, throughout the winter, excuse me. Manitoba Batteries got that and the best price on batteries in the city. Why head on down to the big box stores like Costco when you can save money and shop local at Manitoba Battery, just $89.50 with the core exchange and delivered within city limits. If you don't even need to leave your place, $109.50 with a $15 recycling rebate when the core is returned. Head online, manitobabattery.com. All of the products that they've got, as well as uh, you can just give them a call at 738787. See them on Logan Avenue and get charged up for your vehicle or whatever else you need under the sun. If it needs a battery, Manitoba Battery has it for you. And, of course, a big weekend for Winnipeg sports fans coming up. Uh, we do have the conflict. You got the Bombers at 6 o'clock down on the south side at the IG Field. You got the Jets taking on the Islanders on Saturday night, 6 p.m. at Canada Life Centre. Of course, the Jets and Hawks going at it Friday night. Your fan gear might be tested this week. Maybe you need an upgrade. Royal Sports is the place to go. Thousands of items of Jets merch. So much Bomber gear. Uh, and it's not just our hometown teams, NHL, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA. It's all there. And not to mention uh, millions of dollars of inventory when it comes to hockey. And the snowboard sale just went last week. If you're thinking about hitting the hills, pop down to Royal Sports. They're the experts in snowboards as well. 750 Pemina Highway, our good friends over at Royal Sports. All right, let's talk Bombers right now. Bombers back on the practice field today getting ready to uh, resume the season after a bye week, sitting pretty at 10-1 and one, and selling tickets for the West Final coming up on the 5th of December. Uh, let's head over on Winnipeg Sports Talk to IG Field and hook up with Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports. IG Field is where we go and find the brains behind Bonfire Sports and our good friend Darren Bombing. DB, what is up? 
What's going on, Hustler? Just uh, kicking back here in the Two Jacks press box. Uh, uh, legendary uh, broadcasters here in Winnipeg and uh, with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, many years ago. But uh, nice homage there here at IG Field. And looking on at the best team in the CFL, hands down, in the Blue Bombers is, uh, well, yesterday's practice was closed. So it's good to have some eyes uh, here on the team on a sunny day. Well, and, and it's interesting, of course, the Bombers finishing up their bye week last week back on the field with um, essentially December 5th circled on the calendar right now. Um, but some new faces in town back with the club, former Bombers, impact players. We'll get to the kicking game in a minute. But uh, how's, uh, how's our old pal Winston Rose looking and uh, where does he seem to be fitting into this incredible defense that has been um, shutting everybody down like no team's done for the last 50 years? Yeah, I'm watching him out there right now in his familiar number 30. And, you know, after a year and a half away from the club on the Cincinnati Bengals practice roster, you know, he, he mentioned to me. Uh, when I interviewed him this week, and, and I'll have an exclusive one-on-one -on -one with him uh, up on Bonfire Sports' YouTube page uh, today. Uh, he mentioned how, you know, that was a, a childhood dream of his and a lifelong dream to play in the National Football League. But so often, you know, we, we know the business of football. Guys get cut, and, uh, you know, you, uh, sometimes opportunities dry up, and, and then you have to wonder what's next. For Winston Rose, an ideal situation, familiarity, desire for him to be here uh and you know the familiarity goes beyond you know the, the the uniform colors and the city and the airport he'll fly into maybe the accommodations here in town pretty much all of the guys except for his right hand man winston uh or pardon me marcus sales who's now with the bc lions all the same guys are here so it's it's almost the same locker room the the same dynamic you can almost blink your eyes and think it's 2019 if you're winston rose walking into um, the blue bombers facility uh, earlier this week but watching him line up at corner uh they're moving guys around a lot my gut tells me hustler that uh winston rose will not likely dress or play this week at home against the montreal alouettes i think they're going to continue to move things around. The, the chemistry is working right now. Don't mess with success. Uh, but they'll find a way to get Winston Rose into the lineup in, in one way or another. Um, you know, these final three games of the regular season, the home and home with the Alouettes, and then in Calgary uh, to wrap the regular season. They don't have a lot to play for, but at the same time, they do. They want to make sure they're playing their best football uh, in December and, and obviously that Western final right back here in Winnipeg at IG Field. Yeah, I mean, it can be dangerous to shut top players down for multiple games. I mean, we're still talking about a game that's a month away right now, Darren, and there is work to be done in the middle. Um, you know, I, I, we'll save that for a second because I do want to have kind of a bigger conversation about how Mike O'Shea uh, will plan for this week as well as the rest of the games. Um, but we mentioned, you, you talked about Rose. It was interesting. He's seeing, uh, he tweeted, uh, you know, it feels like he's home again. And man, when you have a team and a defense, as you alluded, with so many of those same characters from the 2019 team uh, that's there doing what they're doing, probably a pretty simple a uh, simple decision for Winston Rose if he wanted to play to get back on the field here in Winnipeg. Um, of course, Sergio Castillo is back. The kicking game has been maybe the one sore point for the Bombers this year. Not that it's really hurt them too much. I mean, it's the difference between winning by 25 and 30 sometimes. That being said, we've talked about it all season long. If you want to win the Grey Cup, you're not blowing teams out every single week. There will be big kicks at some point. And uh, he returns to the CFL 
and to the Bombers, where he was here once before. Um, just your perspective on Castillo, how he's looked, and what that means for Winnipeg special teams-wise going into these final three games, and most importantly, the playoffs. It struck me when they signed Sergio, or traded for Sergio Castillo, rather, Hustler. It really struck me that... You know, we think about Justin Medlock as a time of, of continuity and strength and, and having a, you know, a player of his Hall of Fame caliber handling all the kicking duties here in Winnipeg for the last couple of years and being the leading scorer in that 2019 Grey Cup game. But it struck me that, you know, Liram Hyralahu was here before that. And so was Sergio Castillo, two guys who were both, you know, in that NFL, CFL kind of bubble um, and, you know, looking for opportunities uh, and, and being sought after uh, for those professional kicking opportunities, both north and south of the border. Um, it's amazing to think that, you know, Winnipeg has had that wealth of talent here. And, you know, in the case of Hyralahu and the case of Castillo uh, through the draft, well, I think actually Hyralahu was an undrafted free agent signing uh, by this Blue Bombers team. Sergio Castillo, uh, you know, on their neg list and then signed that way as well. Um, before Justin Medlock came in and uh, took things over. But uh, I would say an ideal situation for the Blue Bombers to get someone like Sergio Castillo, who um, now has an opportunity uh, to win a championship. And I think that's what he wants, because that's when the most eyes will be on him. And maybe he'll get another uh, you know, phone call like he did uh, in 2020 to arrive with the New York Jets and get an opportunity to kick in a couple games for them. Um, you know, he had a really good game, kicked a couple 50-yarders for the Jets, and then the next game didn't have such a, a great afternoon, and, well, that was it. Um, that's how brutal this business can be. Here in Winnipeg, um, you know, we know that as well uh, with uh, Ali um, uh, Mortada and, uh, you know, uh, the opportunity now uh, for Sergio Castillo to, to take over. I know it has a lot of Blue Bomber fans kind of breathing a bit of a sigh of relief that there's somebody who, uh, you know, is experienced and comfortable and has shown the ability to get the job done before. Yeah, well, I mean, it was sort of funny. I mean, just reading the chat every day here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. I mean, the two big topics <laughs> yeah. in Winnipeg was the Jets backup goalie and the Bombers kicker. And maybe that's a good thing for the way the rest of sure. the teams are put together. Um, but, Darren, you know, going into this game, it's back-to-back -back against Montreal, one more game against Calgary. And as we've alluded to, the Bombers have already clinched the Western final. Tickets are on sale right now and going well for the 5th of December. But there is a lot of football to be played before then. Um, what have you heard from Mike O'Shea? And he's, he tipped his hand at all as to how he'll be handling things over the course of the next month, or is it really the focus on this weekend? And... Um, I mean, I imagine if anyone is iffy, they won't be in. We'll get to Hardrick and uh, Andrew Harris as well. But will this sort of be business as usual for the Bombers, at least for the, the short term right now? Business as usual is exactly the way Mike O'Shea put it yesterday. They are going to approach these final three games like they're the first three games of the regular season or like they're a playoff game. Sure, the roster may look different. The lineup and, and some adjustments might be made there. And, you know, you and I can talk about that in a second. Uh, but they're going to approach every game the exact same way. You do not change uh, the way, you know, you go about your business, your process uh, in your prep week and on game day and, and at kickoff uh, at this point uh, of the season. It's worked too well for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, as far as the quarterback, and the running back and maybe some of those veteran players on defense rest rust um you know 
load management, preservation, however you want to look at it. Um, the one thing we do know is the Blue Bombers do not have a lot of experience in this in the past. They have never been in this position before. They've always been chasing either the BC Lions, the Calgary Stampeders, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the West Division standings all the way up until the end of the regular season. So, you know, while that experience might not be there, this is a good problem to have, a luxury. And um, I, I don't think they're going to, say, give Sean McGuire – this is just my gut – I don't think they're going to give him a start, but I think as these final three games tick along um, and if, you know, the Blue Bombers are in a position to do so, uh, I think they will, you know, be comfortable giving Sean McGuire more and more work as it goes. Andrew Harris has not practiced since that knee injury uh, suffered on that touchdown run against the Edmonton Elks a, a few weeks ago. Uh, I personally do not see any reason for him to even be in the lineup uh, for the remainder of the regular season. They are in very capable hands with Brady Oliveira, Johnny Augustine. They have Shaq uh, Cooper uh, on the practice roster as well. That's the one way Mike O'Shea tipped his hand uh, is when they signed Shaq Cooper uh, was that they said they had a need. Well, that need was no need to play Andrew Harris the rest of the way. So I think he's that contingency plan, but they're going to go with the Canadians, Oliveira and Augustine the rest of the way. You know, when we had Willie J on the show last week, I mean, I sort of asked him, you know, can it get much better than 45 nothing? He said, well, there was a few first downs that we gave up that we didn't like. I mean, the bar's set pretty high for this team. But then I asked no him, Darren, about, you know, listen, what are you guys playing for? I mean, you know, the goal to come in was to win the West and host the West final. And you've already done that. And he was pretty clear that, you know, they want to continue doing what they're doing. And there are a number of personal goals for players on the Bombers. He'd love to lead the league in sacks again. They certainly want to continue putting up the incredible historic numbers that the defense has done. And I mean, Zach Caleros, who came in as the longest odds in the CFL of starting quarterbacks to lead the league in passing, has a 200-yard cushion <laughs> over Mike Riley. Yeah. And I do have a 13-to-1 ticket on this, so I do bring it up quite often. But I am interested as to Good for you. Uh, you know, if that is even going to be something that Mike O'Shea thinks about, you know, personal accolades. Um, you know, there could be bonuses tied to individuals' um, contracts, you know, if they get certain levels of achievement. Um, I O'Shea has to focus on the 5th of December and giving him his team the best chance to win. But, you know, considering the way this team is built and the connection between the players and coaches, I have a feeling that the players will have somewhat of a say when it comes to having the ability to get on the field. And O'Shea might have to be the one at some point that literally drags a few guys off. Yeah, that, that's an absolute possibility. You know, maybe the Jeffs, Jefferson and Jeffcoat, are in a race between themselves for the sack lead or the most sacks between those two with a little bit of Texas barbecue uh, on the line. I imagine a lot of these guys have their own personal goals and uh, own things that, that they want to accomplish in the regular season. Uh, as far as Mike O'Shea's approach to all that, I don't think he thinks even a split second about it. Maybe Kyle Walters is. Um, because, you know, I've had the opportunity to take a look at uh, the detailed structure of a lot of CFL contracts from the high paid quarterbacks all the way down uh, to the league minimum players. And a common one, uh, especially amongst players that are kind of in those reserve roles, are $500 bonuses if they play 50% or more 
of the snaps in a game. So say, you know, someone like, um, you know, like a, a, a reserve Canadian uh, on defense, if they get into the game on 50% more of the snaps, they'll get $500 bonus check uh, for that, that week. And, and uh, you know, that can be a motivating factor uh, for a lot of guys. Other guys higher up in uh, the salary structure, they might have a $1,000 or $2,000 or maybe even a $10,000 um, end of year bonus if they hit certain thresholds, five touchdowns, 500 yards, play in 50% of the games, play in 80% of the games, reach 1,000 yards, be a division all-star, be a league all-star, have an MOP or most outstanding positional player uh, vote um, or, or nomination. Uh, so those guys, you know, none of that is out of the conversation. Uh, as far as Zach Kolaris, you know, it, the passing yards has been impressive. It's his quarterback efficiency that really stands out to me, Hustler. He's well over 100. I think he's at 100, 111 uh, in quarterback efficiency rating right now. No other CFL quarterback is even in the triple digits, uh, leading the way in touchdown passes and and touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, Zach Kolaris has been uh, exceptional all season long. So it really makes you wonder if he doesn't play too much or the numbers begin to decrease quite a bit over these final three games of the regular, regular season, will the East Division and West Division MOP voters penalize Zach Kolaris if, say, a Mike Riley or, um, you know, another quarterback, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, catches them uh, in passing yards or touchdowns. Uh, I personally don't see that. When you're that good of a quarterback and your team is 10-1 and and you've locked things up with a month to go in the regular season, I think you have to give that MOP consideration to the guy who got it done when the, you know, the live bullets were flying and, and the games mattered. You know, uh, Darren Bombing with us from Bonfire Sports here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, getting ready for uh, the Bombers' final regular season home game at IG Field, hosting Montreal 6 p.m. on Saturday night. Um, you know, I, I was on earlier this week on the Ticats Network on a uh, show talking about, you know, a number of topics. And one of the things was about the crossover. And I mean, I think we've had this conversation about a month ago. I mean, the fact that Ottawa has been so bad this year and hasn't beaten anybody with the exception of the Elks. Um, has made it very, very unlikely that, you know, a crossover would be enacted this year. And to be honest, right now, you got BC and Hamilton this week playing, you know, on life support. Um, a loss there essentially eliminates them from any potential crossover. Um, and they still do are still two games back of Calgary. Very different in the East right now, Darren. I mean, there's no suspense in the West, but you've got Toronto yep. at seven and four, Hamilton and Montreal at six and five. And what's interesting about this Montreal team coming into Winnipeg, it's going to be Trevor Harris, who probably has had nightmares about the bomber defense and then gets traded to a team that's got to play them twice in a <laughs> row. But I mean, what are your just thoughts about the visitors coming in and the position that they're in right now in the East, which is uh, really could go any way with three games left for all teams in the season? Well, as far as those playoff races, you know, uh, these teams are going to be scrapping tooth and nail. And, and especially in the East Division where, you know, the Montreal Alouettes tied with Hamilton for second at, at six and five. They got two games against the Blue Bombers and then a home date with the Ottawa Red Blacks to wrap things up. Let's give them a W there um, in the regular season finale. But if they're going to be fighting uh, really hard to catch a win away or steal a win away from the Blue Bombers in this home and home so they can jockey with Toronto, who has a tough schedule. They got them, you know, that makeup game uh, after that canceled one due to COVID with the Edmonton Elks. Um, and then, um, you know, of course, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who are playing very good football right now. The West will be, uh, you know, a, a battle as well. The Calgary Stampeders, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That's a two-horse race uh, to see who will host that West Division uh, semifinal. As far as the Montreal Alouettes, 
uh, over these next two games, Hustler. You know, Trevor Harris, uh, absolutely, um, he was really, really bad, to put it bluntly, uh, against the Blue Bombers here at IG Field uh, a few weeks ago. And it really makes me wonder if it was that performance of his that made Edmonton general manager Brock Sunderland say, okay, I think I'm ready to move on from Trevor Harris and then trade him to the Montreal Alouettes. He is being forced into the lineup a little bit here. Matthew Schiltz is banged up. Shea Patterson, uh, normally their third-string quarterback, will back up Trevor Harris uh, on Saturday against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So is Harris ready? Well, it'll be 20 days between when he was traded and him stepping on the field here in new colors with the Montreal Alouettes uh, at IG Field. So what kind of Trevor Harris will we see? How pared down will that playbook be? I expect we'll see a lot of um, their exceptional tailback uh, in William Standback. Uh, one of those players in the East Division, I think, who's going to be getting MOP uh, you know, recognition Come season end, uh, he has had a very, very good year. And uh, one of the reasons why, um, you know, Gino Lewis and Jake Wineke have had such gaudy receiving numbers this season. Hey, DB, back to the West for a minute. We know it's going to be the Bombers hosting somebody on the 5th of December. Um, you got to lean on who that team will be. And, and, and I guess from your perspective, who's a more dangerous opponent for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Calgary or Saskatchewan? That's a, that's a tough question, you know, and um, I'll be careful here because I know there's a lot of Rough Rider fans watching. I made a comment the other day on, on social media that, you know, the Calgary Stampeders have a good chance to be here in Winnipeg on December 5th for the West Final. If I had to pick right now, I'd give it to them. I just see them on more of an upward trajectory as far as their level of play. They got two good quarterbacks in Bo Levi Mitchell and uh, Jake Mayer. So, you know, if something seems to happen, you know, they have a great contingency plan there. The Rough Riders are a good team. I, I wouldn't put anything past them. They lost Kieran Moore recently and, and looks like his season uh, will be done. But the addition of Duke Williams and Shaq Evans coming back to health uh, injured early in the season. Those two receivers, I'd put them up against almost any two receivers um, uh, in the entire CFL as just far as talent level and, and uh, you know, potential danger uh, that they oppose, uh, you know, uh, two defenses. Um, but I'm going to go with the Calgary Stampeders. I see them as, uh, you know, the, the more dangerous team right now. But that's the beauty of the West Division uh, this time of year when the games get cold. You never know until that final gun fires. Well, and it's so interesting. I mean, those two teams just played each other three times. And, you know, yep. it was at a time where the Calgary Stampeders were sort of resuscitating their season. They got those two big wins over Saskatchewan. The Riders did get them back on one, but I mean, season series yep. is Calgary two to one. And I think we've seen more of the Bo Levi Mitchell that obviously wasn't 100% earlier in the year coming back to uh, back to normal. So, um, you know, it's... Strange times. In our lifetimes, the Bombers have not hosted the Western Final. I mean, there was an East Final here in, in 2011, <laughs> but, I mean, never mind just getting to the game. And now this month, an unprecedented time for the Bombers, a month of waiting uh, to see what happens. But, you know, when you've got a point differential of 178, you'll win your fair share of football games. That's what the Bombers have done. And we'll look forward to see uh, what happens when the Alouettes and Trevor Harris come to Winnipeg on Saturday night. DB, this has been fun. Uh, you got lots going on a bonfire right now. Before we go, uh, tee up game day with Walby and uh, fill people in on uh, some of the hockey content you're doing with Billick. Yeah, busy time right now uh, on Bonfire Sports. And, uh, you know, of course, I'm writing uh, for NHL.com uh, on the Jets as well. So 
time is tight, but, uh, you know, definitely have time to, um, you know, keep up our football coverage and uh, excited to get hockey going with Scott Billick as well. We're going to be doing lots of kind of bite-sized pieces on the Winnipeg Jets, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, stuff that people can just uh, pick up quickly. Uh, all of our content now available on all the major podcast platforms. So uh, subscribe to those uh, if, if that's how you take in your content. Uh, a one-on-one with Winston Rose coming up later today, Hustler. And um, yeah, of course, Chris Walby will join me. We'll get a good look uh, at uh, how the Blue Bombers should approach this final stretch of the season with the legendary analyst himself, uh, Chris Walby. Nobody uh, opines on the Blue Bombers like 63. Well, and the funny thing is, I mean, of course, of course, Bluto was a part of those uh, incredible Grey Cup championship teams in the 80s. Yeah. But even in the 80s, I don't think there was a situation close to this where they certainly had the, had everything won with a month left. So I'll be very interested to see what Chris has uh, on that topic when you guys get going on Saturday before the game. Again, uh, the game day Winnipeg will be available at Bonfire Sports early on Saturday. Make sure you consume it before kickoff at 6 p.m. and uh Keep on the uh, on the feed for uh, more content from Darren as well as Chris and of course Scott Billick from the Sun. DB, thanks for doing this, man. We'll let uh, chat soon. Going to be an exciting month heading into December fifth, and fingers crossed for the Blue Bombers a trip to Hamilton a week later. Yeah, should be a lot of fun this final stretch, Hustler. Appreciate you having me on, man. Great stuff with DB from IG Field as the uh, Bombers finish up practice today and get ready to get back on the home field one more time, trying to run the table at IG Field for the regular season and get ready for the most important win of the year, and that would be one on December 5th to book a ticket to the Grey Cup to try to defend that Grey Cup. Um, I want to thank Princess Auto for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, Great sponsors of curling here in Winnipeg and the province of Manitoba, and really coast-to-coast, especially with some of our Manitoba teams and Olympic hopefuls in Mike McEwen and, of course, Team Jennifer Jones. I do know Jen Jones and the girls have a big game tonight at the Pinty's Grand Slam of Curling. I believe you can catch that matchup on Sportsnet. Um, But we're going to be talking a lot of curling heading into Saskatoon in less than three weeks for the Olympic trials. Princess Auto, though, in addition to supporting curling, is your go-to spot for uh, finding the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Uh, Two locations in Winnipeg, national headquarters here in Winnipeg, started here in Winnipeg, um, and but, you know, people that need cool equipment, tools, or things to make their ideas in their head come to reality, go to Princess Auto. You can pop by either of the two locations in the peg or shop online 24 hours a day at princessauto.com. I told you all that we had a great time checking out the the behind-the-scenes work of Little Brown Jug Brewing, who is getting ready next month to celebrate their fifth anniversary. I can tell you, Remo and I hooked up with our old boss, Chris Brook, yesterday down at one of the local watering holes, had a couple 1919s. Man, they were great. Uh, you might want to also try the Winter Variety Pack right now, which is available, which does include a couple cans of the new fall beer. They've just launched the double. Uh, but the best place to do it is down at William Avenue at Little Brown Jug. Great spot to go meet a friend for a beer, pick up some Little Brown Jug to take home, as well as merchandise, and check out their events page, as well as a link if you'd like to book Little Brown Jug for a holiday party coming into the season or of course a birthday bachelorette and so so much more all there including free delivery a delivery citywide at littlebrownjug.ca and the nfl is back tonight and that means 
We got NFL action on all the big screens at Boston Pizza, along with the center ice package to get the hockey game that you want to see. Maybe you got a DraftKings lineup. Maybe you got a bet. Boston Pizza is the place to go for all the games. Big screen, big sound, and big eats. Of course, we've got the ice-cold schooners, delicious pizzas, Boston wings, as well as some new favorites on the menu as well. Pop down to BP tonight for the big game or order to your home, bostonpizza.com, or call, or call your local Boston Pizza restaurant. All right, Ken Weeb's coming up in a few minutes. Let's get Michael Remus back in here. And Remo, pretty interesting chat during our uh, conversation with Darren Bombing. Um, there still is a lot of uh, differing opinions, I would say, on uh, how the Bombers will and should handle the roster going forward. I'm of the opinion that I think certainly in the next little bit you do need to play. And just... I don't know, maybe I keep on bringing it up. I remember 2001, the Bombers resting everybody, allowing Calgary to win to get into the playoffs and then biting them as an 8-10 and 10 Grey Cup champion team, beating Winnipeg in the final. Um, you know, it's just been going so well. It would be a tragedy if a key player, especially quarterback Zach Caleros, got banged up. But it is important to keep this thing going. And there is a lot of time before this game on the 5th of December. Yeah, you don't want to go in there um, like you haven't played uh, for a while. And I see a lot of people in chat speculating about Sean McGuire, just like I saw people doubting Eric Comrie. He's been pretty good. And I'm not saying Sean McGuire is Eric Comrie, but I'm saying that I have no idea if Sean McGuire is good or bad. We've never seen him play. I know that he can run the ball in from the one. I also know that there's been other... <laughs> that he definitely can. I, I, know, I, know, I also know that there's other backup QBs this year. Like uh, Mayer in uh, in Calgary, who come in and you know a good system, good coach, and you think, oh, this guy's never started before. They're going to be terrible, and he's maybe look better than Bo Levi Mitchell. So um, I have no idea if Sean McGuire is good or bad. I haven't seen him play. So I mean, yeah, it would be great, but I mean, it'd be great to have a experienced guy in case someone gets hurt. But like, I don't know. You can only afford who you can afford. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And you just you know have to have your fingers crossed that you don't have any. Uh, injuries to any key players over the last couple games. And, you know, it is interesting to note, you know, guys want to go for records or, you know, become a league leader. Maybe they have bonuses. And I don't think you should, you know, deprive those guys of that opportunity. So uh, I think playing time, something to watch uh, going forward for the last couple games. I'm being honest here. I'm trying to think of how much my decision-making and opinion is being shaped by the fact that I need Zach Caleros to lead the CFL in passing yards to get this award. I mean, the fact that he has a 200-yard cushion with three games left speaks to just how good he's been this year and how much better the Bombers have been than everybody else. But that would be, uh, I mean, I guess all things being equal, if I did not have this wager, I'd maybe be less invested, literally, in Zach Caleros playing through these games. Uh, but as Larry Bong says, uh, there is a lot of people that are down with just play till the end and lay the smack down on Montreal and Calgary and keep doing it as you go into the playoffs. So uh, I don't think we'll see any um, any move away from the way the Bombers have been doing things going into this game. I do think for those two road games, it'll be getting a, it'll be a little more interesting as to who makes the trip, who plays. Uh, but the bottom line is, Remus, as we just talked with Darren Bombing, uh, you know, if Jamarcus Hardrick isn't ready to go, uh, they'll give him extra rest. And as far as Andrew Harris goes, I think the most likely time we see Harris back on the field carrying the rock for the Bombers will be in the cold outdoors on the afternoon of December 5th. 
Yeah, we'll see. I just got a text from uh, from Ken. He'll be ready to go shortly. I see Kenny's water bottle already. Has, oh, he's come fired up. Come early in the chat. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll wait and see. Keep Andrew Harris rest up. You need him uh, for the big moments. You want to make sure everyone's 100% uh, healthy going in, and thankfully you have that opportunity. I did see some reports, like, was Jamarcus Hardrick, like, playing, like, defensive back or something in, in practice the other day? Joke. <laughs> I saw someone tweeting about that. Uh, Lowry's 17 beard. Didn't Kahari break his wrist on the last play of the West Final when the game was over and we had a backup in the Grey Cup? Uh, Yes, Lowry's beard. That's exactly what happened. 07 East Final. Well, I've got to actually, I still feel guilty about this. Um, But it was Kevin Glenn that that, that broke, uh, that, that they got injured. Bombers go in. They are underdogs in that game, and they were up, I want to say, like 18 or 19 to 1 in the second half. And this was before, I mean, I had a laptop and Wi-Fi. The computer was upstairs, and I realized, wow, they are going to the Great Cup. I got to be there. So this is like right around the end of the third quarter, ripped upstairs to my room, got on the computer, (laughs) checked out flights, (laughs) checked out flights, realized, okay, this is happening. I'm going to do it. Boom. Send. Bought the flight. Went back downstairs, got got in front of the television. Kevin Glenn is being carted off the field, and the Argos are kicking an extra point. I mean, I am a, a little superstitious, but at that moment, honest to God, I felt like I had literally done that myself. And uh, yeah, Glenn was out, wasn't able to play. Ryan Din- Dinwiddie, the Dinwizzle, uh, had his first start in the Grey Cup. Um, and again, the Bombers were tight in that one. I believe the final was 23-19. Probably a different outcome if Kevin Glenn was in there, but um, but it wasn't. And that was just another unfortunate tale of the Bombers during a 29-year Grey Cup drought. But the good news is the drought ended in 2019, and this team seems ready to go when it comes to uh, defending the Cup and keeping it here in Winnipeg. Uh, we'll talk more about the Bombers' Owls tomorrow on the program. Going to get to... Some Jets talk and NHL talk with Ken Weeb coming up in just a minute. I do want to tell you, tomorrow on the program, I teased this before, we have just got the copy. We will debut the new Milt Stiegel, not Autocorp commercial on the program tomorrow. I think it's going to be running on the weekend on National Football League uh, on NFL broadcasts. But we'll play it for you first. Of course, our great friends at Not Autocorp and Milt Stiegel. We'll have to get Milt on to actually talk about the commercial. It was great to see him when he came into the city for that. Uh, but why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team in the commercial? You'll see the amazing facility they've got there at Waverly and McGillivray. We should check down, definitely stop by and check out. And you, of course, you can find out much more on the Winnipeg Car Lab, Not Autocorp, and everything they've got going on over at Not.ca. Big thanks to the Nick and Nikki DQ group as well. We all love the blizzards here on the program. Uh, everything that Nick and Nikki have going on at the local Dairy Queens, DQ Niverville, DQ Polo Park, DQ Northgate, and DQ St. Anne's. And big announcement, big for people in St. Vital, that's for sure. For the first time ever, the DQ on St. Anne's is going to be open 12 months a year. It won't be closing for the winter. It will be there for you for both your ice cream and 
food needs, and Nick's getting them set up on Skip, DoorDash, and more. So, uh, you know, when it's cold outside, you might feel like a trip to DQ, but you can get it to yourself again. The Nick and Nikki DQ group and hit them up on Instagram if you want to order a cake at any of the four locations. You can see them online at DQ Manitoba. And tomorrow night, or tomorrow afternoon, I should say, end of the program, we will be doing another marble race for our friends at Canadian Club, the official sponsor of the Bombers, the official whiskey of Winnipeg Sports Talk. You can find it at IG Field on Saturday night as well as December 5th. Maybe keep you warm throughout the game. Uh, and, of course, the Great Taste of Canadian Club available at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart. So tomorrow, another branded Winnipeg Sports Talk Canadian Club uh, hoodie to give away. Uh, we'll also do a marble race for, we'll do another Isle of Rye package. By the way, shout out to uh, Miller Time 1980. Great to meet you yesterday. He popped by to pick up his winnings from last Friday. Uh, but we're not going to wait to do winning on this program until tomorrow because we do have four tickets to the ice game. If you do want to go, if you've got some kids that you'd love to take to the game, we'll do that at the end of the program. I don't think we'll do a marble race today, but we will find out everyone that wants to be in. will probably spin the uh, the wheel of winners today. Uh, but if you do want to go to the game, we've got four great tickets for tonight's action against Red Deer. We'll uh, talk a little bit more about the number one ranked ice number one in the country, not just the WHL, a little later on, your chance to win tickets before we are finished up. All right, let's welcome in our good friend, Weeb's World himself, Ken Weeb, back at the uh, back at Ken Weeb HQ after Winnipeg Jets practice, joining us now in the program. Weeber, great to talk to you again. How's things? Great to be uh, back at the home office, Huss. Things are things are pretty well. Uh, yeah, you jogged my memory. That was uh, that was quite a weekend in Toronto uh, that year. Uh, the oh. Vanier Cup slash Grey Cup uh, festivities. Uh, uh, the result was a little better for one of those teams, obviously, and uh, it was interesting for me uh, personally. Obviously, with my connection to going to school at the University of Regina, I had a lot of uh, college buddies uh, from the province over that enjoyed the game a lot more than some of the uh, some of the blue and gold fans did, I think. But uh, quite a weekend that was uh, a great uh, great sporting weekend uh, at the uh, you know, Sky Dome slash Rogers Center and. Yeah, interesting times, that's takeover, for sure. Prairie takeover of downtown Tio. I mean, that was sort of at a time where the CFL was losing a lot of their traction amongst Argo yeah. fans. Um, and the Grey Cup, honestly, often just gets lost in a city like that. Uh, it was impossible not to know something was going on because everyone was either in green or in blue. <laughs> and to your point, I mean, the Vanier Cup the night before, yeah. um, pretty incredible, incredible run for the uh, for Brian Doby's Bisons getting that done. It was a little greedy, hoping for two championships, <laughs> Only got one, but um, I always remember that. And, you know, with the Bombers being in the East, uh, that possibility of a Bomber-Rider final finally came to fruition. Unfortunately, Ken and Glenn couldn't play, and we all know how it ended. Um, hey, listen, I want to get to everything that's happened at practice today. I can't believe yeah. we actually got in in an hour, and we have not mentioned for the first time in about a week or so um, what's happened with the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. But we haven't spoken since uh, the press conference. I just wanted to quickly uh, get your thoughts, Ken, on uh, what we heard from Mark Chipman, Kevin Sheveldayoff uh, um, earlier this week. And um, and going forward, um, how you feel You know, from what we heard from the Winnipeg Jets, what will happen now after we've heard from uh, the two very important people? For sure, Hassan. Uh, we've discussed this uh, at length. Uh, obviously, what we needed to see in that press conference was humanity. Uh, and I think that was on display. I think the apologies uh, were quite heartfelt and necessary. Um, again, and, I, and this is not that I that people blame 
Kevin Cheveldayoff off specifically, but he's the he's the last of the seven that has an ability to make an impact on hockey culture moving forward. So I think that part was was very important. Uh, I liked what I heard in terms of both men reaching out to Sheldon Kennedy, who obviously has a connection to True North, but uh, this is a valuable resource. And while I don't know if it was intentional, but the NHL made it sound like uh, it was a little bit too dismissive uh, for me in terms of when they were asked specifically about having Sheldon as a resource. So for, for me, um, and as Sheldon pointed out in his you know column with Paul Friesen, uh, it can't just be lip service. There have to be steps taken, and uh, I would expect there to be uh, some, some important steps taken in terms of trying to create that uh, better and safer place um, in the hockey world. And I also think it is important for Kevin Chevaldeev to have that conversation that he says he is open to having with Kyle Beach uh, in terms of trying to trying to cultivate those types of things in terms of the environment as well. Yeah, um, you know, I, obviously, I mean, we've spent a lot of time talking about this, so I didn't really want to get too much into it, but definitely yeah. wanted to get your take on it. But while you mentioned Sheldon Kennedy, um, you know, I was working with the Moose. I'll always remember that with Sheldon coming in. That's where he finished his... Uh, final games as a professional athlete before moving on for his incredibly important work in this space. Um, and it's also a special night tonight for Sheldon Kennedy as he's going into a uh, Manitoba sports hall of fame. Yeah, it really is. And it's great to see that moment happening. I mean, Sheldon, uh, you know, his, his junior career was prolific uh, and included in a Memorial cup championship, but uh, it, his job that he has done as a, as a builder of the game and in this very important realm, I think is so important to recognize and that's why I also think it's so important for not only the Jets, but for other teams to be speaking with Sheldon in terms of, you know, having him speak to whether it's to prospects or regular players, even staff. I mean, I think this is so important uh, in terms of building and finding that extra place. And um, for me, there's a special connection for me for Sheldon Kennedy. Uh, when I was 15 year old, 14 and 15, I was a listed player in the Swift Current Broncos organization. And at my first rookie camp as a 15 year old, Sheldon Kennedy was behind the bench of the team that I was playing for. So um, I, I think Sheldon is an incredible person and uh, what he's doing is fantastic. And the thing about that Huss is that uh, he's been doing so much, but he wants to do so much more because there is so much more to do. And I think that even when there have been roadblocks uh, in terms of what he's been trying to do, Sheldon continues to put forth an incredible attitude uh, in terms of trying to, to get to that better place. And, and that's something that uh, I want to share my personal appreciation uh, for that as well. Well, and again, I mean, I know he's got the respect group and there's so many things that he's currently doing, but considering everything that's transpired, considering what we've heard this weekend and knowing that there's been some communication with Mark Chipman and Kevin Shoveldale with Sheldon Kennedy, tell you what, I mean, maybe the best thing that could happen for the organization and all parties involved uh, would be to work something out where Sheldon Kennedy maybe has some sort of a role with the organization, helping with them um, and guiding them with some of the things that need to be put in to go forward to be the leaders that, you know, the rest of the National Hockey League can emulate. I think we'd all love that. Uh, Let's get to what happened today. First off, no Connor Hellebuck. Um, I think everyone was expecting the Vesna winner to be there. We know he probably has not a lot of sleep and dealing with an incredibly exciting time for uh, he and his partner after welcoming in a uh, young, potentially future goaltender into the world. But um, what do we know about Hellebuck's status uh, today and uh, for these back-to-back games that begin tomorrow night against the Hawks? 
Yeah, what we know is that the course of conversation quickly changed from Connor Hellbuck making his case to starting both games on the weekend, uh, making the case to Wade Flaherty and Paul Maurice to uh, uh, feeling a little bit under the weather in the morning. So again, we don't know the severity, but we know that in the environment uh, that we're living in with COVID-19, that a test is required and that Connor Hellbuck was not able to just power through this t- type of a situation where we know there's he's probably sleep deprived uh you don't get tested for being sleep deprived though so uh we know that connor had a very serious bout with covid uh, in late august so obviously uh, the jets are are hoping that that is not the case but basically has its wait and see mode uh eric comrie obviously uh on high alert and ready to go i think comrie was going to be getting uh, i think elbuck was not going to be winning that uh conversation or uh you know i wouldn't call it an argument but that debate about starting both i think that comrie was probably going to be starting one of those games anyway and likely the saturday night game but uh what if this means potentially that comrie starts friday night i i don't think that's a a major concern comrie's done a nice job obviously same things we talked about going into the year small sample size but comrie and his two starts not only is he 2-0 and he's played at a level that uh, would instill some confidence uh, not only in the players but in the coaching staff and knowing that they can turn to him if they need him yeah no doubt I, and and I, I'm with you I mean it is a small sample size and we've talked about this you know going into the year I'm like let's give this guy 8 10 15 games to yeah. see what he can do all that being said Ken with the attention that was on mm-hmm. this position and his situation it was incredibly important for him to come out, play well, and most importantly, win. And he's done that in his first two starts. Yeah, he certainly has. And he's going to be needed this month. Uh, there's, I think, two more situations of back-to-backs uh, for sure. And uh, again, they just have to wait and see for the test results. But, uh, you know, I'm at almost every practice. Huss, uh, Eric Comrie has been uh, absolutely dynamite. And it, it's easy to say that when you're the head coach, but there's a lot of eyes on Eric Comrie for all of the things that you just mentioned. Um, he has been showing those signs during the practices right from training camp on. I mean, does he stop every puck? Of course not, but he's getting to pucks that maybe he hadn't been getting to some of them in the past. Um, we know he's such an incredibly positive person and an incredibly hard worker. Uh, he's starting to feel that kind of confidence. I mean, it, This might not feel like much to some, but he won his only start with the New Jersey Devils last year. He's won his first two starts this year. And here's the thing about Eric Comrie, not just happy to be hanging on uh, by a fingernail to a roster spot. He wants to solidify himself as a legitimate backup. Uh, He he has always had the self-belief. He's worked incredibly hard with his mental uh, skills or sports psychologist in the offseason and into the season, including a conversation in Los Angeles. But He's a guy that isn't just satisfied, uh, you know, collecting a one-way contract and a paycheck. He wants to continue to push himself to be better so that the coaching staff can continue to lean on him for up to 20 or 22 starts or whatever the number ends up being. But uh, it's been an impressive start for him. And Huss, you see how happy the players are uh, for a guy like Eric Comrie to succeed. You saw how Mark Shifley was gushing about him after the last game when he spoke at the podium. And uh, you, you can't... That's not artificial, Huss. You can't manufacture that. You There's sometimes that you can use words and, of course, you know, stand up for a teammate, but you can't do it with that kind of, uh, you know, enthusiasm, I guess, if you will. I think it's a genuine enthusiasm and uh, Eric Comrie uh, being one. <laughs> when you have to say, Dad, I apologize, Eric Comrie is one of the best people in the world. 
you know, other than my dad, he might be the best person <laughs> in the world out other than my dad. You know how people feel about him and how strongly they feel about him. And uh, it's up to Comrie to continue to do that at a consistent level at the NHL base, uh, you know, at the NHL level here. But uh, to this point, it's hard to suggest he should have done or could have done more. Uh, and again, classic Comrie today. He's disappointed about the fact that that game went to overtime. Uh, that the Jets were unable to hold that two goal lead that through no fault of his, there's a, uh, you know, six car pileup in front of him on the first one. And on the second one, the Klingberg shot goes in off the behind of Tyler Sagan, but call looking for ways to make those stops, which is uh, part of what has made him, uh, you know, an effective goaltender at the American league level. And now in the early stages of his NHL career. You mentioned that Klingberg goal, man. We watched that a few times. Has Hark recovered from the, the pretzel that he got put into by Klingberg on that play? That's a tough situation to go through, and obviously you're trying to get in the shooting lane, and that's the one the one tough thing about the video that's on all the time. Uh, I think it's I think they're probably past the too soon portion where his teammates are you know giving him a little bit of the gears when it comes to that, but uh, really nothing that he can do in that situation. And you know, so this goes to show the skill level at the NHL level. Like Harkins could probably do that to someone else as well, but. Uh, unfortunately for him, he got caught on the other side of the video uh, in this situation. Well, and, and I'll tell you, as someone that bought a ticket to the game that was in the building, um, right? You know, it would have been a different story if the team didn't come out of it with two points, and you don't like to maybe give a point to a division rival. But I'll tell you what, uh, it was pretty. I felt lucky to be able to see that overtime and that shootout because there was some serious entertainment. That shift that Kyle Connor had in OT Weber. Uh, maybe the best OT shift I've ever seen by someone not named McDavid. Yeah, pretty impressive. Uh, just the the speed. And I would also even argue, too, that like, the stretch that Dubois, like when Dubois got behind, like when he put it in that next, when he kicked it into the next gear and blew by the defenseman, obviously didn't score on the play. But uh, man, oh, man, those two continue to impress uh, not only me, but to pretty much everyone who's been watching this Winnipeg Jets hockey club. Uh, it's been impressive to watch the chemistry they've started to build with one another. And uh, the results are obviously there, but it, it's what it's the generation and the creation. I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois, even laughing about it today, saying he didn't think that he had had a game where he had seven shots on goal. He had nine attempts. I mean, uh, those two really, really finding finding an impressive level of play. And Yevgeny Svechnikov has been part of that uh, process as well. And, us, we've been talking about the need for balance for for a long, long time, and uh, the lines look a little bit different. But uh, what I can say is that if they leave them together for a while, and you know, based on everything we heard from Paul Maurice about wanting to see more with Lowry on that line, uh, it sounds like this is not just going to be a one more period type of thing. I think he wants to roll with it for a little bit longer, uh, and I think that it could create all kinds of uh, you know matchup manipulation that the Jets can really take advantage of because. Uh, it's a very much a pick your poison type of scenario right now when it comes to the the opponent trying to decide who to try to match up against right now. Yeah, well, and, and one of my takeaways just on that point, Ken, and we've been talking about this before. I mean, I think that having some healthy competition and having you know players realize that you know believe in the opportunity if they play well and if they're productive, they'll be able to play more. Um, and yeah. in the past, it maybe hasn't always been that. And frankly, the struggles of Dubois left the Jets kind of as a real top-heavy team last year, really relying on that line. Everything's different now with the way that he's playing and the connection that he has with Kyle Connor. And if you go back to the game sheet from the game on Tuesday night, Weber, I, I think that this might be, and I'm sure there might be an anomaly at some point, but when you look at that top nine 
and look at the ice time distributed between Shifley's line, Ehlers, Dubois. I mean, it's literally within about two minutes of each other. And I think, you know, the discrepancy probably just speaks to some ice time, you know, in overtime then when you have a limited amount of guys. It was yeah. as close to even as it's been. And if that is the case, I think, listen, the guys in the fourth line or the two players that are extras, you know, might not get in as much. But, you know, running a top nine like that with the skill and the depth that the Winnipeg Jets have, I think bodes very well, especially for this homestand. As you mentioned, as Paul Maurice, with that final change, is going to be able to get out the guys that he thinks matches up in the Winnipeg Jets' favor. Yeah, and when you're, when you're looking at the odometer uh, around games 60 to 82, and for a team that has aspirations of going deep into the playoffs, you need to be able to sustain that over the course of time. I mean, obviously, some of the number we know Ehlers is up two and a half minutes and almost from last year and almost three for his career. Will those numbers stay at that level when those players are back in the lineup after those five-game absences for both Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler? Uh, that's important. I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois, we've talked about this a lot. For me, he thrives on having more responsibility. So I think you run the if you if you if you move him down to you know seventeen minutes, I don't think you're getting the same level of play. So it's it, there's a fine balance between finding the sweet spot and not overusing those guys. But at the same time, I think right now the way the lines are you know evened out or balanced, you can run all of those guys, get them plenty of ice time, and. Yeah, one way they've done that with Ehlers specifically and also Dubois is the ability to roll them through on that fourth line, even though they're not getting a lot of use as a, as a line together. It's allowed each of those guys to get a little bit into a better rhythm. And Shifley, too, the other night, you know, being back, he was able to roll through that fourth line a couple of times and kind of get his, you know, extra puck touches and get his feet moving. So I do think it's really important, Huss. And again, we know these guys are in great shape, but the Jets have a couple of players in their mid-30s who are in that top nine. So the ability to distribute the wealth uh, a little bit more will help those guys. Uh, they'll need them all year long, but they're really going to need them down the stretch and into the playoffs. So uh, I think it's really important for them specifically as well. And, you know, again, we're talking about Paul Stastny and Blake Wheeler, um, guys that are going to, they, they're going to need to play at a high level throughout the course of the season in order for the Jets to go deep. And, and that's one way to help them be able to do that. So uh, I think they're, they're on the right track for sure. And I'll be very curious to see, you know, Paul Stastny, how he's on the penalty kill still, how long does that last? I think it'll last for a while yet, but uh, we've talked about this before also. At some point, I wonder if Dubois as a penalty killer might be a road that the Jets consider going down. We know Kyle Connor was used again the other night when, when one of the penalty killers was in the box. Yeah. Well, and we'll, let's stay on special teams for a minute that you mentioned. Sure. And speaking of that power play, I mean, the Shifley unit was, uh, you know, scored twice. But, uh, you know, much like we just talked about with that sort of internal competition amongst the Lions, uh, I mean, from my perspective, they pretty much have put together two power play units. It's hard to say which one is more stacked than the other, but there will be now this internal competition. And even in practice, as Maurice said, yeah. that will you know, maybe decide who's first over the boards. And I think that's another good thing for the Jets going forward. If that really can develop as a no clear number one and two, but a one and one a with guys making the most of their opportunities to try and get out there a little more. 
Yeah, and there's quite a bit of chirping in those practices, Huss, when those uh, drills are happening, one group at the far end, one group at the near end. And uh, there's no doubt, I mean, a few eyebrows were raised when Kyle Connor was moved to the Ehlers unit, but I think it's actually worked out for both. I mean, Josh Morrissey, again, today in practice, drilling one-timers at will. Uh, when you have uh, that ability, I think that's uh, very smart. Nikolai Ehlers talking about the importance of having different looks. It's not just Ehlers doing the, you know, the reload and getting his shot off. Now he has another one timer across ice from him as well uh, and the guys at the top are doing such a nice job and i mean let's not you know, let's not diminish the importance of a guy like nate schmidt and what he's been able to bring uh to that power play unit as well and again the, the jets get deeper when shifley and wheeler are back in the lineup uh, especially when it comes to even strength play and the power play which uh, you know they've they can be very big weapons at but that ability to push one another Huss, i agree it was there last year but it's a little bit different with the personnel groupings and there's a little i would say there's probably a little bit more skill on spread out between the two units now but you're gonna have to find the guy to be the 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 matthew perot net front presence i mean i think that that's something where the jets haven't had that same type of um, ability happening from that not to say the players being used there are not capable you just haven't seen it to the same level so far but uh, i think that both men that are being used there can do that job and pierre-luc dubois with the confidence that he is playing with us having him as that slot trigger man i think that was something where when stastny was in that role last year with that unit for a good chunk of time they weren't getting that shot from down low you know which the way they tilted it over but dubois was were at the very end of practice today after the formal section was over dubois was taking passes from svechnikov and you know working on that quick release and i think that's one of the areas where when teams start to try and take away the one-timer uh, from Morrissey now or Connor, that having that slot guy have that, that trigger uh, ability, the way that Mark Shifley had when he was used as the middleman when Line was in the left wing Ovi spot, uh, that'll be another layer that the Jets can look at uh, kind of uh, taking advantage of, if you will, uh, on that power play. But uh, Huss, we also, you know, it's not all sunshines and rainbows. Uh, we should, the, the, uh, the, the third place overall behind the ridiculously talented Edmonton Oilers operating near 50% and then just on the heels of the St. Louis Blues. Uh, the flip side of that coin uh, with the tied for 31st, I know you were going to get there eventually, but uh, I the would PK, say the other, Ken, the other the portion PK. of the uh, special teams uh, units uh, still requires a, uh, some substantial work. What, and, what needs to improve in your mind? I mean, when you look at that, I mean, and sometimes when we talk about small sample sizes, sure. I mean, great shots. I mean, you know, just by nature, you're going to give up some goals on the PK, but there's been way too many. I mean, that was a really rough start and consistently um, there's still been pucks going in. I mean, when you look at the Jets PK, where do you start with improving the results on the ice? Yeah, it's always easy to say you need to be more aggressive, but sometimes when you're more aggressive, that if if not everyone in the four-man unit is moving at the same time or making the same <laughs> reads, that's where you have the backdoor tap-ins happening uh, with a high level. Uh, that hasn't really been happening. It's been more a matter of, uh, you know, they've been on the, you know, poor side of a few tip-ins i would say uh they're not giving up a ton of those uh, clean lane looks but uh, they do need to do a better job of getting into a the shooting and passing lanes part of that is being a little bit more aggressive and assertive but um, it's a matter of having the four the four person unit reading off one another uh, and i think one of the other areas that we've talked about and it's not just the jets having this issue Hus, but the the ability to clear the net um, has been a bit of an issue at times and Hey, we saw it the other night 
if the standard is changing in game nine based on the uh, you know cross check delivered by Joel <laughs> Kiviranta, uh, then we'll see what this means. I mean, will will that be happening on the other side of the coin now? The, will the defenseman be getting away with the same kind of cross check that the forward from Dallas got away with? Well. That remains to be seen. But uh, anyway, I do think that the the net front clearance uh, needs to get a little bit better. And uh, it's easy to say, uh, you know, just get the guy's stick. You check the guy's stick who's doing the deflecting. But uh, these guys are pretty highly talented. Again, at the end of practice today, these guys can tip pucks. It doesn't matter if it's a knuckle puck or a 100-mile-an-hour clapper. Uh, These guys are pretty proficient when it comes to the hand-eye coordination. And, uh, you know, to be able to take away a guy's stick is a little bit easier said than done, especially when you're on the ice and uh, maybe not in the coach or the press box where uh, where it looks a lot easier. But uh, those are areas they do need to improve on. There's no doubt about that. And I think, too, when once they get feeling a little bit more comfortable, um, then they'll get better at the entry entry denials. I mean, when you know, obviously, if you can deny the entry, then you don't have to get into a setup position where you're, you know, the reads have not been as quick. So uh, I do think that this is an area where the Jets have the personnel and the structure to get better at it. But obviously, as you mentioned, Huss, right now they have dug themselves a, a mighty hole. Seven out of nine games, they've allowed at least one. And I think my research was showing that four games, they've given up multiple goals. Uh, and in one of those games, it was three allowed against the Minnesota Wild. So uh, if you are allowing that many power play goals, you are putting an inordinate amount of pressure, A, on your goaltender, B, on your own special teams, and C, on your five-on-five play to try and make up for the deficit um, on that area, even though the power play is obviously clicking you right now. You want to do some research? Like, let's check out like the percentage of teams <laughs> winning NHL games in the same game as giving up multiple power play goals. Right. I don't think that I don't think that success rate is very high and I don't think we no. need to do an extensive review of NHL box scores to figure all of that out. Um can that being said, a big part of the question around the PK with getting Bolio in there has been this 11 and 7 configuration with 11 forwards and 7 defensemen and you know, I was kind of fine with it for a couple games. I think a big part of that was the COVID situation and the cap they're going with. But, you know, now we're seeing this, you know, more games. Um, Where are you at with it? And how long do you think that Paul Maurice will continue to dress an extra defenseman at the expense of a 12 forward? Yeah, it's a great question. And I got to say, too, I mean, much like Paul Maurice uh, said early on, he didn't love it, but it was worth exploring. And to be honest, he didn't have a choice for part of it. So, uh, would I say it's growing on me to a degree? Sure. Am I am I certain that it's the way to go for the Jets to have more success? I'm not sure that I'm at that point yet. I do agree that there is, uh, you know, I have I have time for it being used on, during a lengthy homestand where you can see if there's some matchup manipulation to be happening with it. Uh, I do see the benefits of rolling Nikolai Ehlers and, and those skilled forwards that we mentioned with Shifley and Connor and Dubois, getting them an extra shift in game, much like the Pittsburgh Penguins have done in the past, uh, much like the Tampa Bay Lightning have had incredible success with uh, at various points. Um, do, do I think it's sustainable over the course of the year? I'm not sure. Do I think that having the seventh defenseman and then having to rotate him through on the third pairing every once in a while has potentially disrupted the rhythm for DeMello and Stanley? I think you could make a case for that. You know, it hasn't made it uh, you know, unbearable for them, but I do think that there there is an impact being felt on the on that third pairing. But 
Um, I mean, the other day, Bully had an assist and, you know, there you go. He got himself on the board. Yes, sure. It went off Paul Stastny's shoulder or whatever. Doesn't go in if you don't shoot the puck, Weaver. He he made a contribution. There you go. Uh, Again, I'm not 100% sure that... uh, I wouldn't be, I'm not ready to vote for it yet, Huss, let's put it that way, but uh, I'm not ready to toss it out entirely. I think there there have been some uh, promising parts to it, especially with um, the players that are b- being used currently on that line. But uh, as you know, as the driver of the Gus bus, uh, I do believe that I would like to see a scenario at some point this year. I don't know when, but I would like to see a Gustafson Harkins Veselainen fourth line uh, being used. And that's not to say that you can't spin some of those uh, top nine forwards through there at various points. But uh, I think the Gustafson could help the Jets penalty kill at some point. Like I said, I'm not advocating it for it to have to be happening right now. And I definitely see the benefits of Gustafson, whether it's 20 games or 40 games. You know, um, I was talking about this at, at, at our hockey yesterday. So the reason why you have Gustafson play the 20 or 40 games or whatever it ends up being, you get his baseline of puck touches in confidence. When you play those 20 minutes, rather than have Gustafson play 70 games at eight to 10 minutes, if you get him more on a you know 40 game American Hockey League split and a 40, you're just allowing Gustafson to build confidence, feel better about himself. And like we've talked about, he needs to force his way into the equation. And we know that salary cap could play a role and there would have to be players put on waivers and all of those things. But, you know, if Riley Nash can't get himself out of the press box and into the rotation as a penalty killer, then at some point I think the Jets will have no choice but to try Gustafson in that role. And also us by using him in a 20 minute plus per game role at the American League Hockey or American Hockey League level, you're allowing him to work on both special teams. He's on the power play with the Moose. He's on the first penalty killing unit so that when you turn to him, it's a one-way ticket. Once we've said this before, the next time we see David Gustafson, I don't see a scenario where he's going to be going back to the American League in a week's time unless unless they have no choice, like what we've seen with Veselainen going back and forth on an emergency basis because he's the only player that's waiver exempt. I think once Gustafson arrives, he's arriving for good. And I think that that time will happen before the end of the season. Uh, I'm just not, I don't have a clear picture on when it's going to happen, but I do see some of the benefits to having him play a larger role at the American Hockey League level right now but I want to see him at the American league level or at the NHL level as the fourth line center before I'm ready to sign off completely on 11 and seven. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and just to your point on Gustafson, I mean, we've talked a lot about him, um, you know, on this program and, you know, when you've been visiting with us and I mean, I'm with you with all those benefits of playing more in the American hockey league. He's done that already to an extent. And the bottom line is, I think from these conversations, this isn't about, Hey, it would be great to see what he can do. It, I mean, I think we've talked about the issues they've had on the PK and some of the things in their own end. And I think the evidence tells us that David Gustafson could come in and help this team win hockey games. It could be an improvement in that area, especially with the disappointing start to his time in Winnipeg for Riley Nash. So all those things will be, uh, we'll be paying close attention to them over the course of this homestand as to whether there are any moves right now. It does look like we'll pretty much have this same roster. Uh, and assuming if Hellebuck is out, that means Veselainen out as well, because of course, Burden has to come in to be the emergency goaltender. Um, hey, what did you think of the Shifley Wheeler uh, Lowry line for uh, at first look? I like it. I mean, I, I think it's, we mentioned this before. I think there was one game a couple of years back where it was Lowry, Cop, and uh, Wheeler. They were used, I think, against the Calgary Flames in an exhibition game. 
obviously the lineups were different and it was a very AHL kind of heavy raw uh, lineup for the flames, but uh, I like it. I like the potential there. I mean, obviously here's the thing, Huss. We, we know Adam Lowry is a, a, a big weapon as a centerman because of his size and ability to check the opponent. But um, I'd rather have Adam Lowry on the wing in the top nine than Adam Lowry on the fourth line at center uh, where you're rotating him through a very limited role. I mean, I don't see the need for Adam Lowry's role to decrease. So I prefer to have him on the wing with those guys and give him an opportunity. Uh, you know, he can do some of the heavy lifting on the forecheck. He still has some finishing ability as well. And I think that he's a, and let's also not forget something, Huss, and this sometimes gets lost. Adam Lowry was a left winger for the majority of his time with the Swift Current Broncos. He only moved to center, uh, I believe, for his 19-year-old year, his last year in the Western Hockey League, um, because they thought that he could be a force down there. But this is a guy who's a natural winger. Of course, he could play center because he has the talent. But it's not like this is a big transition for him. He spent a lot of his life playing on the wing. So uh, I think that his ability to get in on the forecheck and uh, you know move some bodies around and create some chaos on the forecheck uh, makes him a pretty good fit on that line. I mean, hey, we've talked about this before also. Would you like to see Ehlers uh, spend some time with Mark Shifley? Yeah, but right now, I mean, over the last couple of years, he's had his best chemistry with Stasty and Kopp, so uh, no use mixing that around. Uh, I think that both Wheeler and Shifley, as they get back into game shape, I mean, uh, let's not forget, I mean, they were both off the ice for an extended period of time. So, you know, to expect them to be playing 22 minutes at an elite and peak level, I mean, that's just not not reasonable to that's not a reasonable expectation but uh, i think they will get back up to speed quickly and i think there's some potential for that line for sure i thought shifley was sharp uh, in his mm-hmm. first game back um you know I, I think wheeler was a bit of a work in progress and i think he's gotten better you know since his first game back with the club but i mean mark shifley seemed ready to go and, and i think everything that had been happening with the hockey club um you know kind of cranked up his excitement level i mean he loves the game we all know about this it was probably really tough to be out but even a little more so when, you know, a bunch of other guys are stepping up and doing what they've been doing uh, in his absence. And I'll say this, uh, Ken, you know, for a guy that you know, he looked like the old Mark Shifley um, in front of a microphone. I mean, that is presser when he came back and spoke for the first time. I mean, that was the exuberance, the excitement of a player that, to be honest, had been missing at times over the last couple seasons. Um, and just as someone that's you know, watched and listened to what he's been saying over the course of the better part of the last eight years here in Winnipeg. It was great to see that Mark Shifley back. And uh, tell you what, if he's feeling like that going forward, I think that is a good thing for the Jets dressing room and certainly a good thing for the hockey club on the ice. Yeah, to coin the uh, phrase from uh, Claude Noel, uh, the joy level is high in uh, Mark <laughs> Shifley's world. Uh, and I, I would even say, Huss, uh, I would say Mark's attitude uh, in his pressers and was, it would date back to last year for me, the Zooms, where he, he got back to being that more yeah. uh, enthusiastic individual, uh, you know, with a smile on his face. Uh, he's been very much that way since, I like I said, I think I saw it a lot last year and you've seen it basically every time he's been in front of a microphone this year as well. And, and you're right. That's great to see. Here's a guy who loves to talk about hockey. And uh, I, I love that he peeled the curtain back for you when he was asked about it after the game the other night, you know, what is it like to be a first line center in the NHL watching a game when your team's on the road and you're stuck at home dealing with COVID. I mean, I loved his answer, how he, he felt like a fan and he's yelling at the TV and he, you know, Oh, I saw what a great play, you know, Oh, I wish he had done this. Um, the, the ability to analyze the game, but 
um, kind of like we often talk about going back to your roots and, you know, outdoor hockey playing, you know, at the rink outside. I mean, uh, I think it's great to, sh- you know, if someone who's, you know, been in the league as long as Mark has and has had the same level of success that he's had still has those feelings inside. It's great. I mean, that that's how. Um, you know, the game is tough when you're, when you're in a, you know, know, when you're not in a good, you need under perfect circumstances and conditions, the game is tough. But I think that when you're in a great space, uh, mentally like Mark looks like he is, um, obviously I think it's obviously going to be a benefit, not only for himself, but that rubs off on your line mates. And, uh, you know, Huss, we love the game of golf and, uh, you know, great to hear that he was able to spend some time so does he apparently if you can get if you can get nine holes in on the simulator during the intermissions uh i'm gonna say you, you can count me among the people that are impressed by that because you know, uh, I, that that takes some serious commitment it was uh that cracked me up and i mean everything about it cracked me up i mean i think it was just yeah. a fun light um you know but it was exciting for fans because there's i mean we've spoken about this before i think back to the end of the 19th season when it was quite obvious that all was not right um, it certainly feels like things are sort of back to where you'd want them to be in that room. And Mark Shifley is such a big part of it. And it was great to see him. And I'll tell you what you just mentioned, like the thought of watching Shifley watch the Jets and then do nine at the intermission. I mean, that would have maybe been the best, you know, like Steve Dangle will stream him right. watching the Leafs game. Can you imagine how entertaining Shife would be? You'd probably get a few fricks in there. I mean, he did. He did. He did drop a holy mackerel at the. He did uh, drop a hole. I was thinking way. Manning and Manning. You could go with. I mean, again, Shifley does not want to uh, be out of the lineup again. But you could have had a you know a great exchange, kind of the uh, the Manning and Manning in game experience. But uh, as as we already know, he doesn't want to be a coach. He wants to be a general manager. But uh, I think you could you could you could uh, see a scenario where Shifley, once he's done playing, a long way down the road road uh could have that kind of manning and manning type of event where you get who the would be the best going. who would be the best foil for shifley in that i've been thinking about that i mean you need you need a special person a really yeah. yin to the yang and we know shifley i don't know maybe a, a foul mouth maybe like bruce boudreau or something like that dropping <laughs> bombs every single moment <laughs> well, i'm gonna have to get back to you i'm gonna i'm gonna give this some serious thought yes. Huss, but uh, i think we're on to something uh we may have just found our million dollar idea i just don't know if we can get it to the uh to the network in time to really cash in but uh, well, lots of time lots of time uh you exactly know, we got a few be years playing. before that will gonna, happen gonna, gonna yeah, there's playing, no doubt uh, about that going forward um ken this has been uh, awesome a uh, couple well, first quickly are you guys coming up at 3 p.m.? Uh, we've got another weekly edition of uh, K&R, or uh, when are we going to be seeing yeah, you guys? Yes, and by the way, thanks for having me on Saturday. It that was, was awesome. a lot of fun talking to you after the game, and it did keep me out of trouble on Saturday night. I was <laughs> rested, refreshed, and ready to go for NFL football at noon the next day. Happy to do my part, Huss, and uh, we loved having you. Great exchange. Uh, we had a pretty lively chat room there as well, for sure. Uh, yeah, we are going to be up at the top of the hour and uh, really happy to be joined uh, today by uh, the uh, outstanding uh, Katie Strang from The Athletic. Obviously, we know that uh, she's one of the people uh, shining a really bright light uh, on these scenarios and uh been fortunate to get to know Katie over the years. We covered a couple uh, playoff series together, and uh, she's a person I'm proud to call a friend and a colleague. And uh, we're looking forward to having her on uh, just after the top of the hour uh, for her weekly Kenny and Rennie show. And then, yeah, we'll be back uh, on the weekend for both nights uh, post game activities. So, uh, thanks for able uh, the shining a light on that as well, Huss.
Well, that's great. I mean, uh, you know, Katie Strang, um, you know, that will be great. I mean, I'll be honest, and we've talked about this so much over the last couple of weeks. And I mean, it's it's been exhausting, mentally exhausting. I think I've got fatigue. It's been fun talking about, you know, what's happening on the ice, but this is still very important. And to have someone that's been so uh, integral in doing a lot of the investigating that has led to what we've learned and the changes we hope to see, uh, it certainly will be good. Hey, just before we go, non-hockey question. What? what? What what do you make of this Aaron Rodgers situation with the oh uh, with the is uh, I've been uh, immunized from the uh, home, homeopathic doctor missing the game we're not going to get to see Rodgers against Mahomes again two years ago Mahomes Sad. was hurt last year the Packers didn't get to the Super Bowl this year it was supposed to happen and uh, I, I still cannot believe the balls on him to stand up and essentially lie through his teeth saying that he was vaccinated when he obviously wasn't. And you wonder what this means for the Packers too, because it's been quite clear that Aaron Rodgers has been going by a different set of rules than one for everybody else in the National Football League, considering that he's an unvaccinated player. And there's going to be some very tough questions for him, as well as the Packers, and potentially some punishment to the Pack for letting Aaron basically do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, and the thing with Aaron Huss that we know, he's a guy who loves to control the narrative, right? So he's this is one where it's going to be hard for him to wrestle the narrative back. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to hear a few more details, but you know, he's trying. You know, he was, somebody was dragging Canada into the situation all of a sudden, and maybe thinking it was AZ. I, I need to hear a little bit more, but it's a bad look. Uh, Kenny, looking forward to the show coming up at the top of the hour. Thanks so much for doing this. And uh, we'll see you on the weekend. Looking forward to those post games after the Hawks and Islanders games down at Canada Life Center. My pleasure, Huss. As always, thanks for having me. And uh, thanks to all the folks uh, tuning in. Right on. There he is, Ken Weeb at Weeb's World. Make sure you get over to the Kenny and Rennie YouTube page right after Winnipeg Sports Talk. They'll be firing it up at the top of the hour if you're watching us live. And of course, if you're listening on the podcast afterwards, you can always hit our YouTube page at uh, Sports Talk Winnipeg. Make sure you subscribe and do the same for Kenny and Rennie. Uh, They're also coming up about an hour after Winnipeg Jet Games after the IC guys do their thing as well. All right, we've got a few things to get to, but I know there's lots of talk about the ice in chat. Um, Let's get Remus in here. Uh, We do have four tickets for the game tonight, folks. Um, So we're going to get to the cool bet lines. I want to talk a little bit more about this Thursday night or tonight. Uh, But Remo, I guess we'll do the wheel. I think what we'll do is maybe we'll do a keyword. Uh, maybe we'll do exclamation mark tickets. We've got four seats for the game tonight. So certainly if some of you out there have some kids that you'd like to bring, we'd love to uh, love to make your day and do that. Um, Remo, why don't we maybe open up something for tickets? And again, people just enter if you can go to the game tonight. Uh, if you can't, don't bother doing it. We'll have the marble race tomorrow for things that you know are not as time sensitive. But for this one, it's the ice opening up this big homestand tonight against Red Deer. We have four tickets. And uh, yeah, Remo, if we want to do that, we can kind of open it up. We'll talk about the cool bet lines, and then we can come back and finishing up the show by spinning the wheel and uh, sending one of our listeners and viewers down to the ice cave to see the number one ranked team in the Canadian Hockey League. Yeah, let me get this set up here. Um, yeah, I don't know what's something with Ken. I was getting some uh, echo there. Maybe people are joking that he was short circuiting. So uh, maybe I'll fix just, that. On just the at the end, just at the end, it was well, it wasn't really a big deal, but there was just no. a couple things that would kind of repeat it. I don't know whether mm-hmm. his uh, internet was uh, shooting something back to you, but for the Marvel, um, for the majority of it, it was uh, it, it was, was awesome. Fine. It was possibly me. Someone Darby Orr says that's when the uh, acid kicked in. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, Ken's not Ken's not dropping any tabs before Kenny and Rennie, folks. I, I, I assure you of that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> either way, that was a humorous comment. Um, I'm, I'll get this set up here. If you can, you know, don't enter if you're not going to go to the game. And I'd say be here to claim your tickets and let us know how to get in contact with you because, um, you know, sometimes people win and. Yeah, we don't yeah, want to. We don't want to ch- chase people down. It's not. Fun. No, no. Uh, and, and if you are the winner, what you're going to need to do is uh, send us a, a note right away with your email, and uh, we'll have the tickets sent to you right away. And you'll be able to uh, obviously go like everything right now. You do need to be fully vaccinated with proof of vaccination for the people that yeah. are using the tickets. No homeopathic uh, but- ones. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No homeopathic exemptions for the yeah. ice game tonight. If you're uh, if you're looking to if you're looking to do it, okay. I see Jeff Reimer's in there. Jeff Reimer's ready okay. to go. Jeff, just hold up. We're gonna actually put. Uh, you'll see the um, you'll see the note um, in the chat, and I think it's actually you're gonna need to put exclamation mark then tickets. That's the command. It'll just automatically grab everybody that enters. We'll throw them into the wheel. We'll spin it, and we'll be sending somebody to the uh to the game tonight uh and man this team let me just get this up i mean here's a few notes from munzee uh, of course they were four and one on the road trip coming back in as the number one team in the western hockey league and the number one ranked team in the canadian hockey league got lots of opportunity to see this team though this month uh 10 games during the month of november with only two on the road so essentially a dozen of the next 14 games are at the ice cave for the Winnipeg Ice as they continue steamrolling the competition. Uh, This is the second matchup between Red Deer and Winnipeg. They're going to be going tonight. They'll be playing again on Sunday as well. And the Ice went into Red Deer last weekend, beating a 3-1, ending the Rebels' five-game winning streak on home ice. Uh, And here are the rankings right now for the Canadian Hockey League. Sherbrooke Phoenix are 10. The Kingston Frontenacs are 9. Uh, WHL Saskatoon Blades in eight. The uh, Western Hockey League's Everett Silvertips are at seven. QMJHL Shawinigan Cataracts at six. The WHL's Kamloops Blazers at five. Quebec League's Quebec Remparts at four. The Edmonton Oil Kings are number three. That, of course, was the team that finally beat the Winnipeg Ice, the only team to do it so far this season. They're at number three in the league. Number two is the OHL's London Knights. And on top of the pile right now, rank number one is your Winnipeg Ice. Um, you know, a lot of, I mean, you could go down some of the, like the league leaders, Connor McClellan sharing the Western Hockey League lead with 10 goals. Um, you got Mikey Mill and Nolan Orzak, plus minus a plus 16 already. And Ben Zlody leads all with a WHL defense with 13 assists and 14 points. And Matthew Savoy, who will be a top prospect for the draft coming up in June, leads all WHL rookies with 11 assists, 17 points, and 40 shots on goal. So just getting back to it. Uh, Remo, I guess we've got it started. People can just jump uh, in if you want to join us right now. Yeah, so I'm going to enable it right now. I see people writing tickets. It's not open. I don't think I've started the giveaway, so I'm opening it now. The giveaway is open. see it in the chat. It's going to come up. Yes. And it, Jeff yeah. Kabilis is all fired up. Long live the dove. We'll love it. Okay, there it is open. So if you've already done it, you're going to need to do it again. Exclamation mark tickets. You have about five minutes to enter. If you've entered, make sure you stick around for the spin so we can get your email and make sure you get to the program. All right. While everyone goes in and puts in exclamation mark tickets, if you want to win the tickets for the ice game tonight, let's get to the cool bet lines for this evening. 
And we do have Thursday night football and a kind of an interesting matchup. I mean, the Colts coming off that tough loss to the Tennessee Titans last week are at home. Carson Wentz behind center for Indianapolis. And meanwhile, the New York Jets coming in at uh, a 10 and a half point underdogs. So <laughs> um, listen, the Magic Mike story from last week, first ever start in the NFL, leading the league and passing for the week, winning as some people, only probably one or two, a bunch of money, but most importantly, getting that big win for the Jets. He's getting another start. I'm really intrigued about this game. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm taking the Jets plus 10 and a half. You know, if you don't know, let's take the points and see if we can have a, a closer game. So many of the primetime games have been thrillers this year. When in doubt, take the points. That's what I'm saying. NHL tonight, uh, we do have the uh, Bruins and Red Wings. Boston, a huge minus 270 favorite at home. Panthers caps. Panthers minus 147 at home favorites. Islanders, a road favorite. They're playing the Habs. They're in Canada right now. They're heading to Winnipeg for Saturday night. Minus 135 for the Islanders. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights, minus 119 favorites in Ottawa to take on the Sens in the nation's capital. Pittsburgh, a slight favorite at home over Philly, minus 123. And the Lightning and Maple Leafs go at it tonight. Lightning underdogs, plus 116 on the road. The Leafs, who've ran off three straight wins, none of them very impressive, to be honest. Uh, they're 137 at home. And a little later on tonight, uh, three other games, Dallas and Calgary, Calgary minus 145 faves. The Kraken, a big minus 192 favorite against the Buffalo Sabres. And the St. Louis Blues, minus 111, slight favorite against the San Jose Sharks. I'm still ticked off from Jordan Bennington for being completely unable to make a save in the shootout last night, which would have won me a very nice parlay at Coolbet. Uh, it was always one thing or the other, and unfortunately last night it was Bennington's inability to make one damn save. Yeah, I take... I feel kind of responsible i know you ultimately you know make that bet but i did you asked me i said i was in on st louis and i had bennington on DraftKings, and i watched the shootout and he couldn't make a save uh thankfully there's no shootouts in the olympics hustler because bennington we were we were talking before like who's the goalie for canada the olympics like are price and flurry gonna go i mean we price is gonna come off the uh the uh, protocol that he's on, the player's assistant, isn't that what it Canada is? Canada needs Carey yeah. Price. I mean, that that is my determination. I mean, Carter Hart's had sort of a nice start, but I mean, I don't really trust him at this point. I sure as hell don't trust Jordan Bennington. Flurry, I think, would be in the mix, and he's a guy I wouldn't feel bad about having in, mm -hmm. but obviously the start in Chicago hasn't been great for him or really anyone, and Carey Price is the guy, if healthy, but will he be healthy? When will he be back? And will he even be able to play for Canada? That'll be a big question that we follow going forward. All right, folks, we're going to do the draw in about five minutes, seven minutes or so. Uh, but before we do that and finish up the draw, let's uh, hear a little bit of a Winnipeg Jets head coach, Paul Maurice. Uh, of course, Maurice spoke after practice today. Um, people wondering where Connor Hellebuck was as well as a little bit more on his team's preparation for uh, the first back-to-backs of the season, Friday night at home against the Chicago Blackhawks and Saturday night at home against Barry Trotz and the New York Islanders. So uh, just before we come back and give away the ice tickets, let's hear a little bit from head coach Paul Maurice from earlier today downtown. Paul, uh, maybe if we could start by asking about uh, Connor Hellebuck and... Uh... He wasn't feeling good this morning, so yesterday he was trying to convince Wade Flaherty that he should play both, that uh, based on the time off, uh, and then he wasn't feeling good this morning, so we left him at home, and he'll, like the rest of these guys, I mean, uh, he 
get the sniffles, and that means you can't come to the rink, basically. So test them out over the next period of time and keep our fingers crossed, but we're hopeful. Not that you had ever any question marks about Eric, but uh, I would say with the way he's played in the first couple of games, if you had to run him for a bit, that wouldn't be... His, his play and his practices have been consistent. So he hasn't kind of got... I don't think he's been lucky in front of the net. Uh, but his his performance right from the start of camp has looked like that, how he's looked in the games. And, and you sit and watch the practices, he pulls one or two of those saves out that he shouldn't. The guys are all banging the board. So he's just he's been consistent. I mean, he's looked good. He looks... Uh, he doesn't have any problem putting him in a net. I don't know if there ever would even be time to do that, but say if that had been a close call on that goaltender interference yeah. debate the other night, would you kind of give a look down to the goal and just say, hey, you know... That sort of thing with the goalie? You or, can or... tell how a guy, like, everybody's got a different emotion. Some goalies, every time they get touched, they think there's a call. Um, you can tell. If he hadn't touched the puck first on that play, the first thing that touched his stick was right, the stick was the puck, and that, that would be a decider for me. If you can't see the puck and he drives his stick in there, that's a different animal. And that puck didn't really send it in the net. It sent it across the net. So I don't think we're getting a call on that one. But yeah, I checked yeah, body line. If the guy's up waving his arms, and sometimes, depending on the game, if you th- you would do it just for your goalie. If you really feels, if you're sitting there looking at it, going, hey, "That's going to be a tight one," I might make that call anyway, just so he knows I got his back. Well, what if anything do you tweak in your game plan when Connor Hellbuck's not back there? All, all you do is the. Wade Flaherty will spend more time talking about how the puck gets moved from a goalie because they both do it differently. And he has not seen the four checks in this league. Uh, each team has a different style. Some guys will straight at the tender. Some guys will take the outs. So we'll spend more time with him, and then the D will understand you know, where our first out is when he touches the puck. Other than that, there wouldn't be anything. No change in the four check. Or Nothing. Pitching. Nothing. This homestand, you see this as a pretty good opportunity, and, and I guess part two of that, how, are you left after the first game disappointed in giving up the lead? Or no, I liked our game. Like I, the only thing I didn't like about the first game is I thought three or four times in the third period we brought a buck back in the neutral zone that we didn't have to. It didn't cost us anything except it cost us his own time. So the shots are like 20-10 with three minutes left to go in the third. We gave up a chance off that. Uh, the rest of them I'm not worried about. And then I thought we managed that part. But bad things happen when you spend too much time in your end. Uh, whether you like the call or not, it's a penalty. Uh, and then there's a shot from the point that goes off a guy's butt, and it's in the net just on time. And I felt that we spent more time than we needed to. Other than that, I liked our game. And it's a long home today. You like it or is it a little too long? Uh, I'm not complaining because I didn't like starting on the West Coast twice. In, in that, and it, and it's it, we didn't have a choice. It all had to do with COVID, and we couldn't get any U.S.-based exhibition games. So I've got guys that have been on the West Coast four times in one month, and it does it does affect them. I mean, I'm not going to say a whole lot about it before, but I was really worried about the Dallas game in terms of legs. Um, so it, it, it's fine, you know. What I mean, you, you've you'd be, the other alternative is a perfect schedule, and we're sure so I'll never get in one of those. So. Paul, you have the uh, head coach of the Danish national men's yeah. hockey team here today. Uh, two-parter. Do you think he was watching anyone in particular? And uh, yeah, and uh, would that be a situation? Would you chat with him just about? Uh, no, he was down in the office yeah. this morning. Because coaches, 
And we talked about that. Professional development for coaches is very difficult, right? We're not sharing a whole lot with each other. Um, he made the comment that he thinks over in Europe, the coaches are a little bit more open than they are over here in North America. But we talked, which is probably really true. Um, no, we spent probably an hour talking about what we're trying to do. So he can watch our game and, and, and have a really good handle on what we're trying to do. And the things that he's looking at going to a smaller ice surface, um, problems that they faced in terms of breaking the puck out and those kind of things, that small area stuff. So we spent some time, we went through some video, talked about what we're trying to do. And it's nice talking to another coach that uh, is not trying to steal your job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, there's Coach Paul Maurice after practice today, getting his Jets ready for uh, tomorrow's game against the uh, Blackhawks, 7 p.m., and then a 6 o'clock start against the Islanders. Uh, we'll find out more about Connor Hellebuck's availability for tomorrow and the weekend tomorrow afterwards. And, uh, and Remo, just as we uh, wrap up the, uh, the, uh, the contest, um, so anyone, if you haven't already, last call, put in exclamation mark tickets. If you can and want to go to the ice game tonight, we'll give those away in just a second. We'll spin the wheel. Uh, you need to see that uh, the head coach of the Danish men's national team, one Heinz Ehlers, was uh, was there uh, chopping it up with Pomo about um, well, the upcoming Olympics and uh, just talking hockey. Yeah, he's not trying to take anyone's job, but imagine if the Jets coaching staff were Paul Maurice, Dave Lowry, and... And Heinz Ehlers, uh, well, could be it's a, a family big, affair. Big family affair. I think it would be great for uh, for team chemistry. So that that was kind of cool. Uh, nice of Heinz Ehlers do some scouting. I guess it is going to be a bit different. Is it? A, I guess it, the little ice. Sorry, it's a smaller ice for the Olympics. I, I kind of assumed that it was going to be uh, be big ice, considering it was in China. But no, that it, was part yeah. of the uh, the negotiations, I guess, uh, to do it. It'll be on uh, NHL size rink, so uh, that will be interesting. All right, so folks, yeah. we have got to give oh, these yeah. tickets away. Yeah. Uh, you want to uh, I'll wrap cl- that up? I'll close it up. We do have to mention, Hess, there was uh, a nice time zone reference there from uh, <laughs> from the coach as well. Uh, you know, going to the West Coast oh. twice. He thought he was going to hey. have a rough game. Jets are able We're not to talking overcome. time zones for the next two weeks. They're all home games right now. Maybe the visitors will have to deal with some time zones. Not not the Jets though. Um, and um, obviously there'll be lots of other conversations about this game tomorrow night oh. with, of course, the Chicago Blackhawks <laughs> of all teams coming to town. I thought you were going to say there'll be a lot more conversations about time zones for the rest of the year, but thankfully the Jets, <laughs> they're done all their West Coast trips and uh, what, Chicago, they're in the same they're in the same time zone, so not a, not a big deal. <laughs> not, nothing to see here on that one. Okay, so we wrapped, uh, we've wrapped it up. Yeah, not a lot of people trying to get in. I saw some people under the wire. I did close it, so uh, sorry, Lowry. Well, perfect. I mean, we we just yeah. want we just want to make sure that we're getting them to somebody that can go tonight. We've got a four pack of tickets to see the number one team in Canadian junior hockey, and that is your Winnipeg Ice taking on the Red Deer Rebels at the Ice Cave tonight. And a perfect way to finish up. If you're new here, you don't come around. We often will do this uh, more extravagantly on Friday afternoon. The the new graphics card has been purchased. It has been mm. installed. So tomorrow's marble race is going to be gonna hopefully be will be our best one ever. The the Halloween one was was, was pretty intense. awesome last weekend. It was a great great course, um, but it should work a little bit better. Bottom line is it's a fun way to give the stuff out. We got some great prizes from Canadian Club, which we'll do tomorrow. But today, and really throughout this homestand, I think we'll be able to uh, give away some great ice seats uh, as well. So, uh, Remo, we got it done. 
and now we're ready to uh yeah, I will put it, put it in the wheel. I will say tune in. Yes, tomorrow's marble race will be our best one yet. It'll actually work. It'll be at a good frame rate. <laughs> it's always I, worked. I've it's worked, but I think on the stream it came in all choppy and not watchable. It's going to be a real race. Uh, high highest resolution settings. I had to tone it down before, but we are rolling. I opened up the computer, put in that graphics card myself. Shout out to Schickster in chat who alerted me that they were available at uh, memory express so yeah nice work shikster that, that, that was that awesome was a, that was a nice tip because we got on it and uh, and it's happening that was a very All right, good let's get this wheel let's get this wheel done again everyone in make sure if you are a winner um send us a message right afterwards either on twitter instagram or just by email and we'll make sure we get your email and a Munzi or a someone over at the ice will fire those tickets very shortly and uh, you and three guests and check out the number one team in Canadian junior hockey. All right, how are we looking, Reem? We are looking solid. I'm just getting it placed really nicely so it looks somewhat professional. That's possible. Meticulous. Meticulous perfection yeah. of the All CTO right. of Winnipeg are Sports Talk. Are you ready here? Let's bring it in. All right, hey. All right, we're here, here we go. All Good right. luck to everyone that's hoping to uh, go to the game tonight. And I will tell you, if you don't win... Stay tuned to future episodes. Lots of game days. We'll be doing ice ticket giveaways here. Uh, and big thanks to the ice for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And uh, obviously love our listeners and folks to be able to get out to see the number one team in Canadian junior hockey. All right. So we have eight people in. We've got four tickets to give away. The winner will uh, get all four of them. So, uh, Remo, uh, you, you're the man. Spin to win. Good luck to everyone. And again, if you do win, what you need to do is, as soon as this is done, hit us a message with your email so we can send you the tickets. Yeah, or if you don't want to write, you just write your social media or something so we can get in touch with you. We don't have to track people down. You don't know. But here, I'm hitting go. Are you ready? Here we go. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Spin to win. The Wheel of Winners. Ice tickets for tonight on WST. That looks like Jeff Bowes. Yes, Jeff Bowes. Jeff, congratulations. Jeff, are you here? Let's just make sure Jeff's here. Give us a uh, note. We'll make sure we get you set up, and uh, we'll get you off to that game tonight. Perfect timing. Congratulations to Jeff. The Halloween Havoc Wheel of Matches. Bowes knows. I believe Jeff is. We'll give him a minute to make sure that uh, that he is. Jeff is our winner. Send us a message, Jeff, and nicely done. There he is. Yeah, he's all fired up. So, yeah, Jeff, just hit us with your email, and uh, we'll get you those tickets uh, very shortly. Um, going to be a big show tomorrow, Reem. We're going to get ready for the Bombers and Alouettes. We will also talk a lot of Jets, Chicago Blackhawks, probably get into a little bit of uh, NFL talk from the week. And... Um, well, obviously, and oh, by the way, one other thing, and I, I don't know whether I'll be able to post this until Saturday because the Jets do play on Friday, but I am putting together a special boosted Peg City parlay with the guys at Coolbet for Saturday. Bombers to cover the spread and Jets to win. And we're going to get those odds boosted. So we'll talk about it tomorrow, I'm sure, on the lock shop. Uh, but if you're not following me, make sure you are at Hustlerama on Twitter. We'll get it out at the Sports Talk WPG site as well. Um, but we'll get a nice juicy number on that. And hopefully, 
We won't be able to go to both games, but hopefully we can at least win a bet on both games. So, uh, yeah, the Peg City Parlay is coming up on Saturday with our friends at Cool Bet. And again, if you haven't played at Cool Bet, you can register now. Use the promo code WST and we'll double your bonus up to $200 uh, for it. Um, great stuff today, Reem. Oh, and tomorrow also the debut of the new Milt Stiegel Not Auto Car commercial. You'll see it first here on WST. And big thanks to not for their great support of the program, along with the rest of our sponsors, Canadian Club, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Cool Bet Canada, as I just mentioned, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, the great people over at Princess Auto, the delicious taste of Little Brown Jug, and of course, Boston Pizza, where you might find me tonight cheering for Magic Mike and the Jets to cover that 10.5-point spread. Um, going to be a great one tomorrow. Big thanks to Darren Bombing for popping by. Ken Weeb, congratulations to Jeff Bowes. Enjoy the ice game tonight. And we'll do it again tomorrow, 1 o'clock, right here on YouTube, just after 3 p.m. in your podcast feed. And for those of you with us live right now on YouTube, uh, it's three bells. We're out. Head on over to Kenny and Rennie. They'll be talking with Katie Strang for another weekly episode of KR. Thanks for being with us, gang. Have a great night tonight, and we'll see you tomorrow to kick off the weekend. Big marble race tomorrow. Lots of games for the Bombers and Jets. We'll have the ice from tonight. It's going to be a packed show. Looking forward to it. Have a great night. Go see KNR. See you tomorrow. Oh my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 